Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future, this episode of the podcast is supported by Doing the Damage, the only DJ pool focused exclusively on house and dance music, supplying the best remixes, bootlegs, mashups and exclusive tracks from their global network of DJs and producers. Check it out now at doingthedamage.com. In this episode, I talk to James Hype about his journey to the very top of the industry, from DJ sets at after-hours clubs in Liverpool to dominating the north of England with his high-energy DJ sets. James worked hard and actually made a lot of sacrifices and tough decisions to get where he is today. Let's get to it. Felix Leiter's in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Okay, we are live in James Hype's very nice studio in the leafy suburbs of North London. Uh, Good to see you, mate. How are you? Very well, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to start this podcast the way we start all of them, which sometimes throws people. I want you to go back to just your first memories of music like where were you hearing music was it your parents playing it in the house was it in the car like way 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 before anything else just what's your first memories of music and what was it um definitely from my mom because my dad doesn't really do music like he he's more of a passive music listener than an active music listener um but yeah my, my mom always played like i don't know what the generic term would be but kind of Soul and Motown type okay, music. And I, if I take a guess, was your was your mum from the north west? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she always played kind of soul and Motown type music, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just um, yeah, I think I think I I would hear certain things and then kind of get obsessed over specific tunes and then maybe maybe get bought the CD for Christmas and stuff okay. like that. And that comes on to the next one, which is like, what's your first? memory of buying music and like yeah what what was the first thing you bought and what format was it i'm not sure man um i used to get bought cds okay like for birthdays and christmas as i just said um i remember but it was mad back then because it was because it was like it was all album-based world like no one bought cd singles I don't even know if they really sold. So were you getting like the now things, like the compilation ones, or were you getting albums from artists? No, both. Bit of both. Both. I think every, everyone got the now albums, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I remember they were always really exciting because you'd have tunes that you'd never heard on them. Yeah. And you'd, whenever you get to like track 18 to 20, that's always the dance record. Yeah. But, uh, I like... Is that still the same now? Oh, I actually don't know, to be honest, because music's changed. I love so it if Modern Friends was track 18, I'm like, now 142, whatever we're up to. I've got it, I've got it. Well, you've got, you've got the kind of now with it on. Yes! <laughs> if, you're, um, if your record gets on a now CD, but you buy the now CD. Of course you do. I remember, so, I mean, I've not had nowhere near the same success as you with music, but I remember the first time that a track of mine was on a CD which was purchasable in the shops and it was like a head candy beach house compilation or something. I was so buzzing. Yeah, man, <laughs> it was so Because especially when we live in the digital realm, it can often feel... Are they still wrapped up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. When we live in the digital realm, I think it can feel like... So what track... I want to know what track number we are. No, I'm number one, CD one, number three on, on the annual. Two, yeah, that's... The annual's the important one. Number mate, one, CD one. So things... So in fairness, right, 
we've already like look at this right so here we go i love this point so we've already seen a change right this is now that's what icon music 98 right pretty great if you're on the 100 anyway <laughs> 98 right but look at this so what you just said there what you just said there you remember all the dance tracks are at the bottom right yeah so on cd2 Marshmallows, track one. Yeah. Avicii's track two. Wow. James Hype's track three. Yeah. The bottom three on CD two. Liam Gallagher, who's he, mate? I don't the, remember him the, releasing any music the, last year. The Killers and Rag and Bowman. So stuff has totally, so, yeah, totally yeah. flipped that's, from that's like taste, though, isn't it? From that's what we, flipping. from what we yeah. grew up as like as kids. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you were getting all those CDs. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> back to the yeah. Make sure you put those back away in the safe. <laughs> and so the next, my next question is always like, and I don't know if maybe I need to phrase it better because sometimes people don't understand what I'm asking. But like, what was your first memory or just realization that, that, that there was such a thing as a DJ and that there was people out there whose kind of job it was to just play music for other people? And, and I'll categorize this for you in two fronts. One front is the obvious one, which is the radio, which I think we all became, we all became, I think, really aware of quite young. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is, like, someone that wasn't on the radio that you then knew that was a DJ. Like, who can you remember of those people? Like, It's just kind of a weird one for me because Radio 1 Extra opened my eyes to the existence of DJs, I think. Okay. Um, Radio 1 Extra? Yeah, Radio 1 Extra, Okay. Um... I don't know. I was obviously aware of radio DJs before that. Um, it's hard to put it all in the timeline. I don't mind. It's I don't mind so much like dates, but I'm just like sure, I'm not sure kind of what was first. Okay. Um, but yeah, like when when I when I first became interested in being a DJ, I think I thought I wanted to be a producer. But okay. I didn't know, but I the thought they, I didn't know the difference, which is really interesting. Yeah. Really weird, mate, because there was there was this grime producer called Da Vinci. Okay. And he was he just made the coldest instrumentals and like all like the best tunes on one extra at the time, like Kano, KTB, stuff like that. They're all produced by Da Vinci and he just had these mad instrumentals and I was like, I wanna I wanna be like this guy. And he was and I and I was just like, Oh, he must be like making it with decks or something. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just don't like, know, yeah, you don't know. No, no clue. Yeah. Like the internet existed, but it wasn't the how to era that we are, that we yeah. exist in now. Um so yeah, I was uh, that was kind of So you were kinda of hearing mixtapes almost. Yeah, man. On the yeah. radio, like so Da Vinci doing maybe a mixtape and you just thought I wanna be that guy yeah, yeah, who's yeah. who's Who's putting just those like tunes these out? Cool sounds coming together. I was like, this is like just crazy, and I feel like you need to buy these two turntables to do it. So, because that's the next question, which which I get vague answers from. Did you then know anyone? Because it's different now. Like we discussed, like sometimes now it feels like everyone's a DJ because mm. it's a lot easier to do it, and the barriers to entry, like of Ableton and controllers, are different. Did you know anyone? at that age when you started to hear Da Vinci, did you know anyone that was a DJ that had decks in their house? Like any of your mates? No, no, not at all. No. No, no um, I, I never did. Like, even... I, I, I met DJs for the first... No, actually, no, 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 that's not true. There was a lot who used to live down the road from me who was a DJ. Okay. Um, did you like, just not like him? Just, <laughs> we, we weren't, like, that close. We, okay. We were both kind of involved in different circles of friends that weren't, like, close, like... Me and him would sometimes speak on a DJ level. Okay. Uh, and I remember we swapped some tunes once. But other than him, I didn't really know any DJs until I was a DJ in clubs. And then I had kind of colleagues. Okay. 
So what was, and then this, this links into another really interesting bit, which is like, what was the first time you ever went to a club? Like, what was the first, okay, I'll rephrase that, sorry. What was the first time you ever went somewhere and saw someone DJing? So it could have been like yeah, a, a yeah, younger yeah. age. What was the first time you, you remember seeing someone actually being a DJ? The, the memory that sticks in my mind of DJs being the coolest thing ever <laughs> yeah. was... was <laughs> no, but the, the first time that I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Because I, I, I got I got Dex when I was 15. I got him for my 15th birthday. We'll come back to that. But and yeah. I... Just, I, I don't think I really took it seriously until I actually went to clubs and saw the power of yeah. the DJ and the control of the DJ and just the the potential. And it was in BCM in Mallorca. Okay. And how old was was, was James? I think <laughs> well, <laughs> we shouldn't say. So I don't, I don't know. Um, so. I, I just remember, I, I remember staying in the club after my mates went home yeah. and just being in the middle of the dance floor because, like, I'd never been in an environment where, like, the sound is that, where the sound engulfs you like yeah. that. And and after, I just felt like the DJ was just amazing. Like, he was, like, manipulating tunes. And you remember it who it was? Just, mate, I don't know, but I think it was Dan Hills. Okay. Because I think, because it was that late in the night, they yeah, were back, yeah. they, they'd had the headline, and the they were back, back to the on. resident, and yeah. I think it was Dan Hills. Cool, man. But I'm not certain. But yeah, like he's he's someone that I'll speak to now. Like he's a, he's an absolute OG. Yeah. And even if it wasn't him playing on that night, there's other nights where I've seen him play yeah. where I've been like this guy, man. So then, so then, so then, so then, if you know, if they were making a, a movie of, of of this, what then happens? So you you walk out of BCM having witnessed this, yeah. and then do you like just go home and plug those decks in and be like, I need to get good at this, or is there a gap? I've got such a weird mental block on the time frame of everything because. Yeah, th- yeah. This is this was before anyone was paying me to DJ. I think at this stage in my life, I might have been DJing at people's birthday parties and stuff like that. Okay, like I had my own speakers and I'd DJ at the birthday party. And, and what you playing? What sort of stuff you playing? This was like, um, do you remember Fidget House? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah Will yeah, Bailey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so also known as Low Stepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing a lot of that type of stuff. Um, Mickey Slim and like, like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Her Herv or Herve, yeah, he was the guy, mate. Yeah. Um, and what's the Sindon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was I was playing a lot of that. That was kind of the newer stuff. But then I was playing. You playing that off vinyl, right? No, no. At this point, it was at this point it was CD decks, Stanton ones. Okay. Um, Those ones with the little like tiny jog wheel and the little pitch buttons and stuff. No, no, no. They they were CDJs. Okay. They they, they were just modelled on the Pioneer CDJs, okay. but they All were right. just the cheaper version. Okay. Um, and I think I got them like. The year after I got my vinyl decks, okay, I got the vinyl decks and played with them for a year. But it's quite boring because you got to go out and buy music when you want, when you want music and stuff. And it was, yeah. So you end up hitting the limitations of the music that you've got yeah. in your library, and you're just like, maybe I'm bored now. But then I was like, oh, okay. You get these CD decks, then you can burn like because at, at this point I was heavily involved in LimeWire and, and like any other site where you can download music yeah. so I was like oh my god imagine you could imagine you could any get track. CDs and, and put MP3s onto, your, onto yeah. your CDs so yeah I got these Stanton CDJs that were they, they, they were fairly expensive like for me being a 16 year old but um, 
they were much much cheaper than the Pioneer ones yeah and to be fair what's also interesting is like it's come up on other podcasts is like that difference between um, like belt drive turntables Mm. and direct drive Mm. turntables is huge but the difference between Pioneer CDJs and like Denon or like Stanton Mm -hmm. is not as much like it's still technically I mean you know they're still basically yeah it's still basically playing the music and for people that like don't know I've never touched decks the difference between direct drive and um, like belt drive is as soon as you just touch the try and manipulate the record in any way shape mm. or form belt drive just it just falls apart yeah, yeah. and it just you just can't do it whereas the, the CD thing is it's less it's, it's less of a huge gulp in between the yeah, two yeah, get, get and the it, cheaper also one. if you've never used Pioneer CDJs then there's nothing wrong with the Stanton no, CDJs absolutely not yeah <laughs> and I imagine you weren't quite doing some of the tricks that you're doing no. now <laughs> Cool. So you're doing like you're doing birthdays and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's and then so do you remember the first time you got a gig in like a bar or a club? Yeah, man. Yeah, um, yeah. The first bar I ever worked in was like tiny, um, and I was just handing I was handing out CDs. So this was when I turned eighteen. Okay. Um, and I was like, okay, now I'm eighteen. I can I can work in a bar or a club. So I was handing out CDs to the owners of these bars in like small local town. Um, Can we dig into that for one second, yeah, right? Because yeah. this whole mix thing is like super interesting, mm-hmm. right? So you recorded a mix yep. of you DJing mm-hmm. on your Denons or on your vinyl or a bit of both? No, no, it wouldn't have been vinyl. So I, I, as soon as I got the the, the option of the, the CDs, uh, the vinyl would go. The decks would go. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you, I think, uh, I, I think I sold them. So you've you've recorded you doing a mix on your mm. CDs, yeah, yeah. right? Can you remember that mix? Like, did you just did you do it in the one take? Did it take you loads of times to do it? Like, how did you record it? Because at that time, were you like recording it live on your computer, or was it onto like, how were you even recording that mix? I would have been recording it through a mini jack into a PC. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm not certain, but I think so. Uh, like you know, like a tower PC because yeah, yeah. they always had a mini jack input. The little, the little yellow yeah, one, wasn't yeah. it, or something? Yeah. Yeah. So you, I would have got the. Phone to mini jack and gone out of the back of the mixer into the PC into like Audacity or something like that. Yeah, and then recorded it and like did yeah, you yeah, did yeah. You used to do it like twenty five times because you got like a I mix from. I don't think I did. I don't remember. You just nailed it, James. Yeah. Just nailed it. First take, bounced it out, uh, burnt the CD, I'm... got his gigs. That's it, kids. Right, podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember like tearing my hair out trying to get anything perfect. Okay. Like I don't think I was trying to do anything that was that really that was especially difficult so it was just like as long as you could get as long as you get the beats in beats time in. Was, was like, it, I wasn't, would it still have been like a fidget house kind of thing at this time do you think was it still a bit Hervé and Sinden it was all a bit camp. of that and then a bit of kind of defected stuff I think at this point I'd probably discovered Beatport so there was and and what once you discover Beatport well back, back in what year would this have been Limewire days so this is 11 years ago so 11 years ago when you discovered Beatport it was like the maddest rabbit hole because yeah. you'd never heard any of these tunes before so you'd find one and it'd be like hey what about this one yeah. and then you're like yeah this is sick as well and then before you know you downloaded loads and loads so I ended up just downloading loads of I think it was mostly like defected and um, strictly rhythm type stuff yeah and yeah, that would have all been, but but uh, some classics as well because when I when I ended up on Beatport, I ended up hearing things. I've been like, oh, I know this. I've heard this before. Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you where I'd heard it before, but I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, this is familiar. So I'll 
I'll download this one now. Because so much of this stuff as well, like, it comes to light when you start talking to people about podcasts and stuff, and, like, technology's changed so much. So, so pr- before Shazam, like, how did you, like, you were in a club or a bar, unless you asked the DJ... You didn't know he what that tra- told you. You didn't even know what that track was, and no. you had no way of finding it no. out. Like, so the only way that you could hear that track again was by going back to the same club or the same bar the next week because you yeah. might hear it again. Yeah. So yeah, it's mad. But um, so okay, so you're handing out your CDs, and then how do you get this first gig? How does someone get interested in you? I don't remember the conversation, but I think he he might have um, he might have actually asked me questions on the spot. Okay, because I don't think it was a phone call. So I think I was handing out the CDs, and in this one bar. The owner was there, and the owner's a DJ. Right, okay. like, I, I still speak to him. Who is it? He's called Dave Burns. Okay. Um, and yeah, he used to be he used to be the resident in Rescues in Zanti. Okay. Which is a really big club. It's like the, the biggest club in Zanti. Um, and he decided one one year when he came over from Zanti, he had loads of money from his summer in Zanti. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, I'm going to buy a bar." Okay. Um, and yeah, and that was the Doctor Bar where I did my first. Uh, was that in Liverpool? No, it's in Hoylake. Okay, which is in well, it's ten minutes out of Liverpool. Okay, so were you doing like a weekly thing, or did he give you a one-off, or did the one-off lead was, to a weekly thing? Or it was every every Friday night. Nice. Um, yeah, and it was pretty awful. <laughs> Why? But it was just it just wasn't busy. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> And at the time, I was 18, and I think he thought, oh, if I get James, then loads of 18-year-olds will come. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not that easy, is it? No. <laughs> so what was then, so what's then the route to, what's the next step? So at this point, like, obviously, if you're 18, you're DJing, and any, anywhere you're buzzing just to mm. be alive. Yeah. But then what's the, what's the next step? What's the next thing that kind of, like, just moved things on a bit or what's the next door that opened or like what, what happened next to make you kind of keep, keep going, keep grasping things? Um, well, at this point I was a terrible DJ still. Okay. So playing every week. Guess you better. Starters. Yeah. That was for like (laughs) four or five hours. So yeah, that, that in itself would have made me better and then made me more confident. And then I ended up handing out CDs in the exact same fashion in Liverpool. And I think that's just to stop you there for like a second. I think that is like an amazing point that like that no one's raised yet to me in this podcast. But I think you're so, so right because I know people and you talk to the people about DJing at home, practicing and stuff, but there's absolutely nothing better than being in front of someone, even if it's just two people stood mm. behind the bar and maybe the owner and having to do it for four or five hours yeah, yeah. to get you better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and it comes up time and time again, it's like, how do you get gigs? And, you know, the, the best way to get gigs is to have a gig Oh, you know I mean, like, and, 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 and even if that, and I, I said it to kids for years. You've asked me. It's like find a bar or a club that you like, or a bar in this sense, and just find a night they don't have a DJ on, and just yeah, tell yeah, them you'll yeah. come and do it free. Yeah. Just say you'll come down every Tuesday, and you'll play from six till one or whatever, and just do that. And if you do that, as soon as the guy who doesn't know me on a Thursday is off, they'll mm-hmm. ask you or whatever. 100%. But you'll get just to, sorry to interrupt, but you make such an amazing point, which is standing in a bar like that with people around you DJing for five, six hours at a time. That's what gets you better, man. That, that gets you so much better so quickly. Sorry, so, 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 so you've got a little bit better and now you, your confidence is rising a little bit. So you think, get myself into Liverpool, more CDs. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Um, and then, so yeah. Uh, yeah, same thing again. Handing out CDs in clubs in Liverpool. 
Did you have like? Did you have a target? Um, Were you like, I want to be in? Like, no, not really. No. I didn't. I didn't know that much about them to be honest. Because um, there were only there were only a couple of places that me and my friends went to. What was that? Oh, we used to go to. We used to go to all the gay clubs in like the Is gay clubs. Yeah, Garlands, uh, G Bar next to Garlands, yeah. same owner. Yeah. Um, Superstar Boudoir. Yeah. And Navy Bar, and all of these places were in like the same area. And they all they all just had the best DJs and the best music, and oh. they were like we we weren't we weren't hard kids, so we didn't want to run into a load of older blokes all giving it the biggins and trying to fight. Yeah. So we were just like, all right, well we go here and there's loads of girls and there's a couple of, there's a couple of gay guys feel and, safe and no one's fighting. It's <laughs> yes. nice. So we or, or me and my mates we always ended up going out to those type of clubs. So I didn't know much about many other clubs. So I just kind of handed CDs to anyone I could find. Yeah. Um, and ended up working in this... Uh, I ended up getting a phone call off um, off the owner of the club. And he said... And this this particular club, it was an after-hours club. And yeah. it was open seven nights a week. Um, and he asked me to come in. Liverpool, what a city. Liverpool, what a city. Yeah, and he asked me to come in and do a trial on a Tuesday. Um, what then, t- so if it's an after house club what time is this trial um, I can't remember I did like one hour on someone else's night okay. on my trial and I still I still know the guy whose who's night it was it's called Smiler um, <laughs> I don't know who gave him the name Smiler but, <laughs> but, that's, <laughs> but that's that's what he's called now um, yeah and it was I, I, I came in and did like an hour on his night not I don't, I don't know why they gave me an hour. It's not like you can see see a lot in an hour. But, no, really. but do you know what though? From the converse, I think you can because if you're a complete blagger, a you're going to bottle it. You're not going to do. You're not going to turn it for the hour. Yeah. And b if you're a total blagger and you've never touched a CD deck before in your life and you haven't got any music, like so, it's enough just to know like that, guess, that you're yeah. going to that you're going to turn up, that you're going to know what you're doing, that you're going to play yeah, something yeah. that sounds. You're yeah. right. It's not long enough to get a real yeah, yeah. judge of an actual DJ, yeah. but it's enough to know that he's not just some. That's true. That's true. Some yeah, chancer. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and that was the first time I'd ever used Pioneer CDJs in my life as well. Nice. And I'm sure, I'm sure in that, that in that era, for people my age, that used to happen a lot because no one had no one had a pair of CDJ 1000s at home. Well, I never thousand pound each. So, so when I, I was never, 18. I never owned, and I've to this day still never owned CDJs. Yeah. Because when I was I was DJing on vinyl, and all the clubs that I was DJing on vinyl had vinyl, then they had double CD decks, yeah, which, yeah. which I used to use. But then one of my first memories of, of like going to digital was they had this massive coffin, like uh, and it had four CDJ on thousands on the bottom side of the coffin, yeah. and on the top it had four turntables. Mad. So I'd be like DJing like every. So I was like, I've never seen these before. I've never touched them. Really? But I was so I was playing my vinyl records, and I was like, then I'd try and go like one vinyl to one mm. one CD, and then I, and then I'd like, and then like you said, kind of once you get to that point where you're like, I'm actually quite good on these. Yeah. I was like, I can stop carrying three bags of yeah, vinyl yeah. to the club anymore, and just carry one bag of mm. CDs. But yeah, like you make a good point. I don't think anyone's bought. No, fifteen year olds got a pair of the, the the guy who lived down my road who was a DJ. When I was eighteen, he had CDJ eight hundreds. Okay, they were still very expensive. Yeah, yeah. But they were still way out of my price range. Yeah. but he did a qu- quite a few kids had them. Um, but yeah. he, was he a rich kid or something? Like, or did he sell drugs? <laughs> They're the two ways that you get. He, did, he didn't. He didn't sell drugs. <laughs> he wasn't a rich kid, but he didn't sell drugs. Um, no. Um, so you've had your house trial, right? 
And obviously that goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, it went all right. Um, well, it didn't. It was awful. I was, I was breaking it the whole time. <laughs> I'd never used CDJs before in my life, so I'm just like frantically trying to figure out. Like basically, the only button I know is play. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, okay, as long as, but I know that I can kind of wheel it back, and then just release it at the right time. So do you have a memory between? Because to... there's this for anyone again who doesn't know, and most people will. There's two modes on CDJs, right? Yeah, yeah. There's Act, is it actually DJ and vinyl? Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the yeah. two modes, right? Now you won't have had two modes on your. Um... No, they they were. I don't think they had vinyl mode. The ones that I had. So they had the one where you when you press Q and it skips and, and it, it sounds like it's skipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, okay. they were like that. That so you, was like so you, the conventional CD. So you just mode. had to work out how to get it in that mode. Then you then you were yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. that. Because yeah, yeah. I've see, I've only ever used CDJs on vinyl. Yeah. Only ever because that's yeah. the way that I understand them. Well, I, I only. <laughs> Started using vinyl mode when I think I saw somebody else doing like the vinyl stop, vinyl breaks and stuff like that, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, I'm missing out here." That's cool. Yeah, uh, but when I initially started using them, it was on CDJ mode because that's yeah. all I understood. But you just had to get it into that mode, then you were fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then what happened after the trial? Like, what did, uh, did Smiler so, did? Was Smiler give you the thumbs up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smiler, Smiler was a Smiler's a great guy, man. He was he was happy. Uh, I it wasn't down to him; it was down to the it was down to the boss. Um, the boss was. Uh, the boss was a, one of them very like micromanaging type people. Yeah. Um, he 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 owned he owned just that one club at the time. Okay, and he was just there every hour of every day, and um, yeah. So he was he was probably a good first boss to have as a DJ because he didn't let anything slide. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the first the first shift I did. Oh well, he he called me like a couple of days later, and and he was he offered me like he offered me twenty pound an hour. Nice. For a five-hour night or a six-hour night, something is, like I'm that. I still want to get this out of you. If this is an after-hours club, what time's the set? Oh, 1 a.m. So 1 till 1 till 6. One till six. Okay. Well, 1 till everyone leaves, really. Right, okay. Because they, they have a 24-hour licence, but in general, they'll be, they'll be open till 6 and sometimes 7. Okay. And sometimes, like on the weekend, they were open till like 8 or 9. So you start doing this? Yeah. On a weekly on, basis? On, yeah, every Tuesday. Okay. Um, was it called anything? Like, did, was it the club? Or the no, night? like, no, like, did you like? Was it your? Was it branded as your night? Or was no, it no, 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 no just no, no. right? Okay. No, no, did I you have a name on the poster? I, I, didn't, or anything I, at this I point? didn't even have a name at this point. Right, okay. My name was my government name at this point. Yeah. Um, government name. <laughs> the government named you, son. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did get my name on my, on the poster after a couple of months of like being there, but it didn't, didn't mean anything. And was that um, James Hype or does that come later? No, no James, James, Hype, James Hype came a long time later. Like, okay. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I did the first Tuesday night, and I had never DJed for that long, that long before. Um, well, I I think maybe I had, but the the pressure that I was putting on myself and yeah. the pressure that I felt just because this was like the biggest opportunity yeah. in my career, and I was so nervous just trying not to repeat songs, and I just didn't know enough. I didn't know enough music, mate. Which is right, again, like, so, so this is really interesting. Another point that you've just raised, right, which which I still to this day live and die by, was you only play a record once in your set. And, like, someone like someone told me this, like, I think the first guy that I ever worked for who owned the club and he mm. DJed, and he was always, he was like, you only ever play one song mm. once, so you've got to get the best time in the night to play that song, or mm-hmm. you've got to use it at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like, like and I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's maybe one. Of, maybe it's different now. I don't know. But it feels like one of those unwritten DJ rules that that DJs try not to play the same record more than once. I think the rule can be broken, but it depends where you're playing. Yeah, because 
in a bar where you've got a big yeah, turnover. Exactly, exactly. Like there, are, there's ven- there are venues that I've played in in Liverpool where they don't charge people to get in. It's, there's 20 other clubs next door, and yeah. the people just cycle in and out. Yeah, and that's fair. And, and you, you, you would actually be doing a shit job if, if you, you didn't repeat tunes. Okay, because the turnaround is so turnaround of people is so fast. I guess I was talking about a club thing when it's mm-hmm. like no, yeah. no, no. I, I'm not, I'm but, not disagreeing with what you're saying. That, at all. But I get it's that. Only in a bar, specific the bar churn thing, saying, thing yeah. where you've got to keep like you get yeah, a whole yeah, new yeah. load of people every hour, so you, yeah, your yeah. set can almost like go around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a fun. Not a fun gig to have, to be honest. But it's it's actually like it's actually. I did a bar this weekend for the first time in like I don't know, like maybe ten years. I've just been doing like exclusive like club shows and like academy gigs and stuff for years and years and years. And it's like it's a very different skill, a very different yeah. skill. Like because you know well, you're in an even more like elevated place now, which is people actually coming to see you in that club, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm more like I'm in the club, but I'm either the resident or I'm a support guy. Yeah. But I know that if someone's coming to digital. And I, you know, complete while supporting you, I know that they're not really gonna leave. Like, with, and, you know, barring some huge horrendousness, <laughs> they, they, they've paid to come in. Yeah. They want to see the person who's on after me, yeah. and I have to obviously be respectful for the person who's after me. But I'm not trying to keep them. They're not like I'll have a little yeah, look in this. Totally I'll have a little look thing. in this club. Yeah. Now it's all right. I'll go to the, yeah, the next yeah, one. Whereas yeah, a bar yeah. set is like, oh mate, it's a retention set. Totally a retention thing, and also it's a bar spend thing. So yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the gig that I did this weekend was from a mate who's got like a, who's got a place, and I had a night off, and he just went and I went, oh, I'd love to come and play, and he was like, yeah, yeah, cool, and he messaged me and he was like, mate, the bar spend was up like. Five hundred pounds on the, the same week last week, and I was like, "Well, that's what a good DJ does." Like, joke, <laughs> like joking, and he was yeah. like, "No, mate, that is totally it." Because last week there was no, there's no DJ, and we haven't had a DJ in that room oh, for really? ages. Yeah. And he was like, "That's half the reason I wanted to get you in was to just experiment to see wow. what it." But like that word you use is like really important, which retention. is like with retention, and and like I think one of the things in in a, in a bar set, which is sometimes different to a club set, is like in a bar set because some bars have dance floors, some bars don't. Mm. But like sometimes, like what I love in a bar set is someone goes, you put a tune on, someone goes, "Oh, I haven't heard this in ages." Yeah, like, yeah. what a tune! Whereas like, I, mean, I know it happens in clubs, but people are kind of expecting what's going to come in a club to a certain extent. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. But yeah. in a bar, I think you're trying to get, and that's how someone goes. At that point, where someone's going to go, let's go to the next bar, they go, "Nah, mate. Yeah, yeah. like we're staying here. Cause, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. this, this is wicked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as long as it's not full of eighteen-year-olds who only want the top. The, <laughs> It's the they just want the, they just want the top three tracks yeah, yeah, on now yeah. now ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 you're doing the after hours party and you're kind of like and, and you're obviously enjoying that. Again, so it's the same question again. What's the next step? Like what happens um, after that? I just carried on doing it. I was terrible, but I got better slowly. Um, it's really refreshing to hear someone just say that, man. Do you know what I mean? That like, was just, awful. It's so bad. <laughs> like. Like I, I can't believe he paid me, literally. Oh, and also the money was ridiculous as well. I went like I was eighteen, living with my mum and dad. Yeah. So twenty pound an hour. When oh, and, and like before this, I was doing like part time jobs. I was still, I was still doing part time jobs at this at this point. Yeah. Like I worked in Next, not Next, Marks and Spencer. Okay. Yeah. You said you, you said you used to work at Littlewoods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a throwback in it. See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I went to Marks and Spencer, and that, they. They paid me like five pound twenty an hour or something, and and you got paid tax on that as well. And it's like, what's the point when you, when you realise you're getting twenty pounds? Are you saying say, say that this uh, this club owner should give you cash at the end of the night, James? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cash, yeah, cash, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it happens now. You just got to pay tax on it afterwards. Cost. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I, as soon as I realised that you could actually make like actual money from this, then I kind of, well, yeah, I never knew what DJs got paid. I never knew what DJs got paid until the guy offered me £20 an hour. I wasn't going to go back to him and say, like, no, it needs to be 30 I was like, I was like, £20? Like, that's what I learned in a four-hour shift at this place. Like, So, yeah, yeah so it was £100 on a Tuesday night. And then within within a couple of months, like, I'd actually started to kind of up my game and actually play the music that the people wanted to hear yeah. in this club. Yeah. Because I just started to learn about people. Yeah, and Re- that's reading the, the crowd. And... Yeah, yeah, because when you first, when you're first a DJ, you know how to play the tunes that you like in a way that you think is good. But as soon as you actually play to people, then you learn how to play in a way that those people will like. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of the skill that I picked up probably quite quickly, I think, because within a couple of months, he'd given me a couple of extra midweek nights. I ended up getting the Thursday and Thursday's a big night in Liverpool. Yeah. It was back then. Yeah. This is kind of, this is kind of, at the st- slightly pre-recession yeah so um, weeknights were busier back then yeah much busier 100% um, well I'll tell you what I think was really changed without digging the massive industry what's really changed is that actually Saturday nights and Friday nights were still busy with what I would call normal people so students and everyone else and like and like other younger people would go out on a Thursday because it would just yeah. it would get, it would squeeze the whole weekend longer yeah and then when when inverted people like working 25 to 35 year olds stop yeah. going to nightclubs on a weekend then they had to pack those nightclubs with students therefore mm. the you know the midweek night dropped out a bit but yeah okay I never but, thought but, that. but but you make you but you make a good point and like i think that that whole like getting i think so what i was gonna say what another point you made which i think is really great is i think you can probably teach most people to be a basic dj like like, like mixed two tunes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I th- you know, there was a faking it thing on Channel Four years ago, and like and like I think you could you could teach most people that side of it. Yeah. yeah. There's other sides to DJing that we could get into. You know, like how you deal with promoters, how you deal with other people. But I think one of the things you just raised there, which I'm not entirely sure everyone can be taught, is that learning to read the room, yeah. learning to build something, and like use pressure and release to kind of like mm-hmm. you know get things going to a certain point when you can, like. That that yeah, yeah. sort of side of it, which I can't, I'm probably not intelligent enough to articulate. I don't think can be taught. I think there's some people that just get it better. Yeah, they, yeah. they stand in yeah. front of a room and they understand it more, and they somehow. And it's one thing I pride myself on is having that sort of like connection with people mm-hmm. and yeah. working out through my love of music and my knowledge of music what yeah. is going to work for those people. And like, you don't probably have to do much of this anymore because you're going and doing your like hard hitting, like 90 minute sort of sets. And, I, and please correct me like if I'm being wrong here, but what I love doing like as a DJ and it found in the bar is like, you play one song and like, you're kind of constantly looking up to see how many people you're getting a reaction mm. from, from mm. that one record. Then your brain's just going hundred miles an hour going, right, if they like that record, mm. what's yeah. another record that I've got that's like that, that will link into this record yeah, that yeah. might be in the same key that I might be able to get in like, and then your brain's just constantly doing all these like, um, constant sort of calculations, yeah, yeah. And, and then like that meme where the, the yeah, woman's like, yeah, the, the numbers, yeah. And, it's like, <laughs> and, and then so DJing wise, like it looks like we're just kind of standing there pressing buttons, yeah, yeah, knobs, yeah, trying yeah. to like look cool. My brain when I'm DJing is just going at 100 mm-hmm. miles an hour, trying to work out what I'm doing, not just as the next tune, but as the next three to five tunes. Yeah, yeah. And then if those three to five tunes work, what am I doing in, in half an hour in an hour? Mm-hmm. Like, and then also if it's not working, how can I get out of it and start yeah, yeah, again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think so. I think like as a, a podcast. It's all about how to be a DJ and what it means to be a DJ. I think that sort of thing about, and you can't learn that in your bedroom. No. 
you know, it doesn't matter how good you are on the decks, like, when you stand in front of people, learning how to understand it. But, yeah, I mean, even just going into, like, where, jumping forward to where you are now, how much of that do you think you have to do now, like, at it's gigs? Very, it's very different now. I feel like I do it in advance. Yeah. Which is very weird. But... So you're say, almost planning what you know people are going to like because they're coming to see you. Not, not so much that, but say... If when I play when I play UK gigs in places that are really familiar, so like last uh, the night before last I played at Prism in Cardiff, yeah, and I feel like it's a it's a British crowd. I kind of know the age the Kinda age range crowd. I'm expecting. Yeah, fairly young, um, and Prism is a venue. They will attract quite a mainstream crowd. So I'm yeah. like, okay, I I, I feel like. I kind of I kind of have an expectation of the type of crowd that's going to be there, so I'll, I'll I won't do too much planning for a set like that because it's it's my comfort zone. Yeah, you know you got it in the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been doing it for over a decade. Yeah, playing to playing to those types of crowds. Yeah, but say I play a festival in Europe, like so. Yeah, say I play a festival in Germany, then. I'm trying to put a set together which is still true to myself but being very um, aware of what records German people will know, what records German people won't know. Like, And that's super difficult, man. Like, I've done a couple of gigs in like Japan and India and like... I'm so surprised when I drop something. I'm like, this is a bomb. Yeah. And, 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 like, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm almost building up to that moment. Yeah, I'm like, this is going to be it. This is yeah, going to be like the hands in the air camera moment. Yeah. And then I just see a load of blank faces. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes I'm playing like what I think is like, I'm kind of building up to it. And then it just goes mental over this record really? that yeah. I'm like, oh, that didn't think that was going to get yeah, that response. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, so it's super interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of a lot of pre, pre work. So I'll, I'll put like a, put like a record box crate together yeah. of, and, and I'll just eliminate things like, say, like Tom Zanetti. Yeah. Because you play Tom, play Tom Zanetti. Play Tom Zanetti in Yorkshire. Shut down the club. Play Tom Zanetti in Dusseldorf. In, in, in That's Dusseldorf. not a thing, mate. Be, sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. I just and, I still love the quote, of, eliminate Tom Zanetti. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and, and, no, no, I love, I love Tom Zanetti. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and, I but, and I love his tunes. Yeah. But um, they're very they're very UK-centric. Yeah. And, like, no one outside of the UK will respond to a Tom Zanetti. When you play it, in my experience, yeah, um, no, I get that. and pre- pretty much any kind of UK rap, to be honest, they don't, yeah, they do, it doesn't travel. You got to well. go more international, yeah, yeah, and um, <clears throat> just more when I when I play Europe, which is the main place where the main, in fact, yeah, I've played America a couple of times, but mostly mostly Europe. Like I I had a top twenty record in Germany and a top ten record in Belgium, so I I play Europe like quite a bit. Um, how does it differ? Like we've jumped totally, don't we? We'll go. Yeah. So how does it? How does it differ? So you, so you just described, and I think most people in the UK will understand what you mean when you say a, a Saturday or a Friday night in 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 in, in, a, in a prism mm-hmm. in Cardiff, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is going to be very similar to a Saturday night in a prism in any one of the yep. major UK cities. Yeah, yeah. People have got an idea what that's about, yeah. especially if you're there. What that's going to be about. Mm. How how does it go down if you go to like a what's it? How does that compare to a gig in Belgium on a Saturday night? All right, sorry. Okay, but one of those European gigs, not not a festival, but like like in a club. Yeah, the clubs are so different, mate. Like British clubs are only like British clubs. We we don't the the British club model is is very very strange compared to the rest of the world. 
because the rest of the world well I'm speaking from what yeah, I've yeah. seen with my eyes and I'm not speaking from any sort of fact but what I've experienced going playing in clubs around Europe and America everywhere has this American club model apart from the UK like the, do you mean like the bottle service table service kind of thing bottle service table service with a big huge DJ box stage huge LEDs that and it's and the clubs are expensive mate like everywhere around the world if you go to a club you're paying a lot of money you're yeah. paying a lot of money per drink you're paying a lot of money to get in the people are dressed up nice the club the club sells all the tables they pay loads of money to have a, a big DJ on and they've got an amazing sound system amazing lighting LED walls and stuff like that um and I just feel like clubbing is a luxury experience. Okay. And I feel like at some point in the UK, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing because I think in some ways it's a great thing, but it's at some point in the UK, we got into this like one pound drinks phase and clubs just, there, there are so many types of clubs in the UK, but none of them follow this model that I see so often yeah. around the world. Um, like obviously you have underground clubs in the UK. There's loads of underground clubs um, where people go specifically for music, and they probably drink less alcohol and take more other substances. Yeah. Um, and then you've got lots of like kind of Weatherspoons type venues where yeah. people will go and or Yates's Bar where people will go and they'll drink and they'll dance, but it's not a nightclub. Um, yeah, and I think we have a lot, a lot of those kind of models in the UK, and even, even like a prism. While they have the VIP tables and stuff, it's not as based around that no. as the as the European. As the they still want to put more people up. in the middle. Of it. They still want to put yeah. mass into the middle of the floor, yeah, 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 rather yeah. than luxury around the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it, it, it's it's. I've been thinking about this stuff for a long time. It's kind of. I think there's also like a bit of synergy with, with football. Like I think clubbing in the UK is a, is a working class thing. Like in the way that football was a working class thing. Right. Then all this money's coming to it, and obviously, like you know, obviously the VIP ways that you know. I mean, look at the different. You know, we're sat not too far from Highbury and the New Emirates and stuff. Mm. And obviously, like I still think, we, yeah, you raise an interesting point about that thing. You go to, the, you go to Vegas. I've been to Vegas. You got those places, and it's yeah. all like you say. It's almost a VIP luxury experience to go yeah, clubbing. Yeah. Whereas I almost think, like we grew up, like going, we used to go out three times a week. Oh yeah, yeah. it cost you fifteen quid. Yeah, and yeah, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. it's not a luxury. It's almost like a, a human right, a basic yeah, yeah, yeah. human right <laughs> to be able to go really out, bro. to be able to go out and get drunk yeah, yeah, and bro, throw I was, up in, I was and... in sick form and going out and getting, and getting exactly, yeah. as you say, get yeah. drunk and throw up yeah. on 15 and quid. It's, and it's a basic yeah, yeah, yeah. human right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a couple of quid to get in, a mm-hmm. couple of quid drinks. Mm-hmm. Now the big thing in Newcastle is like trebles mm-hmm. and it's like bars in Newcastle sell three trebles for a fiver. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, like everywhere I've played in Europe, that's been a club it's been that Vegas model yeah. where you pay a lot of money for everything yeah. and, and because of that the clubs are really nice like they've yeah. got great sound great lighting yeah. they're really clean and the the people seem a lot more posh well I, I, I did I played in the only thing I've got that I can probably compare a little bit is I played in Munich a couple of years ago and I couldn't believe how sober the people were that yeah, were, yeah, were, yeah, were in yeah, the club 100%. I couldn't believe how clean and like well dressed they all appeared to be <laughs> 
Like, and, and it was, yeah. and it wasn't, again, it's not a criticism. No, not at all. But, no, like, no, I mean, no. I'm getting on the train, I'll be going back to do digital tonight, there'll be, like, 1,500 people there. It's a Monday night, by yeah. the way, exactly what you're talking about. It's still, like, 80p to get in before, yeah. before 11. <laughs> it's, like, £1 drinks before, yeah, you know, yeah, before 12. Yeah. And it's, like, this is one of the better clubs in the UK. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it'll be rammed tonight, full of, like, you know, just kids getting... Yeah getting you know having a really lovely time and like you say it's, and they're all like college kids six farmers uni kids like you know it's not it's it's a very different mod on the weekend and i'm sure that the guys who are in the club would won't listen to this but would have a go at me if i didn't point out that you know spend vast there next saturday and yeah, that'll yeah. be 35 quid a ticket and people will appear yeah. very different but again you know digital it's not it's not ball service there's no i mean he tried that we tried to build i don't know if you've ever seen it we tried to build a VIP balcony, right? Mm. It's literally at the back of the club. You can't mm. see the DJ booth. You can't even see the main dance yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like, why? Do you, yeah, it doesn't. Make no sense one can see it. you. The, no one can yeah, see yeah. that you're in there. Yeah, so, yeah, what's yeah. the point of it? Yeah, it's yeah. like, whereas, like, you know, you, you touched on BCM. Like the the, the the VIP bit in BCM is amazing. It's like it's up behind yeah, the yeah. DJ booth. So yeah. you're looking down at James Hype, Axwell, PBH, yeah. whoever's playing. You can see the entire room. Yeah, yeah. You can see all the Eastern European dancers on the on the ca- on the, sca- the scaffolding and stuff. Mm. That's a VIP area, yeah, yeah. and everyone can see you yeah, yeah. in there. Yeah. Like, okay, let's right, let's let's skip back then. So <laughs> all the way I back. How to, we got to this? <laughs> well, no, but all the way back to to to, to Tuesday nights, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then what's the next step? So, so you're, um, you're getting better. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Tuesday night, you feel like a millionaire because you're living at yeah, home yeah, and getting yeah, paid hundred pound a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I remember that yeah, thing yeah, yeah. so well. So much going out buying like a Stone Island jacket because I could just like rinsing yeah, yeah, money yeah, on clothes. Yeah. And then, so what's the next step? What's the kind of at this point are you going right? This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a DJ. Or are you still just kind of playing records and, and just being a kid and not knowing what's going on? Or at this point are you starting to kind of focus? There was in a no like bit? there was no like career plan. It okay. wasn't like that. Um, I was still very much like an outsider to the Liverpool scene because okay. I only played in this one nightclub. It wasn't it wasn't a particularly cool nightclub. Okay, it was because it was an after hours club. It's just one of those places where loads of people will end up going there. So drinking them, but well, no one's proud of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> we all love them, really. Yeah, it was it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like a music place. That, yeah, yeah. So therefore, it wasn't particularly credible to be the DJ there. Um, Although to me at the time it was amazing, of course. Um, so yeah, the thir- I was doing the Thursday night, and that was the first night where I'd ever had a packed nightclub. Okay, and then I just um, and around this time, me and my best friend at the time, we were running under eighteens nights. So that's um, super interesting. So you started your own thing. This is a real, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah, is a real like through fair yeah. of everyone. So you decided to start your own thing. Yeah. So you start an under eighteen night. Where is it? This isn't in Liverpool. This is in Wirral. Did you come up with the name? What was the name? It, at first, it was called Into Clubbing In Two. Is that like the people who own all this, the like um, like they the Into own like the Metro Centre now in Newcastle? No, they spell it T U, don't they? <sighs> anyway, at this point, at this point, I had no idea about Into who owned the Metro Centre in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get a season to assist. Anyway, no, no, no we didn't. No. You, start, you started under 18s teens. Are you DJing on it? Yeah, and you yeah. make promoting it. Well, it was a. It, we were both. Bit of we both. both. He didn't DJ, but. All the business was done okay. collectively. I'm terrible at business, so I, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I, I I just spend and don't think about. Yeah, yeah. I'm bad at cutting costs. <laughs> so I, I I'm. So was this massive this under 18s night? It was like it got huge. Nice. And then the police shut it down. Nice. Because we we were just too young to how to be responsible. To be honest, um, it got it got monstrous. 
Um, when you say like, okay, tell me a little bit. Just ex- explain the monstrous bit. How what, what how, well, how big are like? Well, we're talking a venue that holds like 300, 400 people, and there being like seven hundred people outside. Do you know what I mean? Right. And then you have issues with the police because it's it's in quite a small town, and it costs them money. It costs yeah. the police money because they have to find extra people so and to pay them to work. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, we we ended up having all these meetings with the police, and the police just made it very hard for us to continue. In the end, okay. um, but did that get your name on the map more? No, no, no okay, no, all right, not at all. Um, but during those under 18s nights was when I first learned to use a microphone. Okay, which so is another big, which is another big part it's a of it. Huge thing. It's a huge part I've of never, your I've now. never used a microphone until these under 18s <laughs> nights, and when I was doing these, it was like. I cared so much about the people having a good time. I feel like this is when I became a much better DJ because I was all of a sudden I was in the eyes of the promoter and the club owner. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so that for me kind of transformed me from at this point, probably a, an all right DJ into a much better DJ. So I, I was able to use a microphone and I was able to just, I would just I was just putting myself in the heads of the people trying to make them have the best night of their lives. Um Well that for me then is the hat trick that you've just scored. That is the third best point that you've made and has been made on this podcast so far is like how much of a shit you give and I give about the people in front of me having mm-hmm. the best possible time yeah, yeah, yeah. they can have. Yeah, yeah. And like you just said there, like one thing again I used to say to people all the time is like I'll be sitting in my head just thinking like even tonight when I'm DJing, I'll be going, What is the next record that if I play now I would just lose my fucking yeah, shit yeah, too yeah, if yeah. I was on that dance floor. Yeah. And like, so trying to transform myself into the minds of those people going, how can this get better? And like, that's an amazing point, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So from, from doing the under 18s nights, we, we did it successfully for about six months. Okay. Um, I took what I'd learned, took it back to the club where I was playing in Liverpool and started using the mic in the club, started like just venturing away from the conventional music that the DJs were all playing. Because at this point, I was just playing what all the other guys were playing. I was like, oh, that guy played that tune. I quite like that. The people seem to dance to it. I'm going to download that yeah. and play that. Um, Mob just joining the dots together and mm-hmm. doing what yeah, he yeah. thought was right. So, yeah, from what I'd learned from playing to the under-18s nights, I just, I started, I bought a wireless mic, started taking it to the club. This, this club didn't even have a mic. No one used a mic in there. Liverpool is a very house music city, you know, yeah. it always has been. Yeah. And Cream. For, yeah, and for that reason, most of the clubs, the DJs just don't use a microphone. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of evolved the whole thing, just started incorporating... So the man, did the owner, who you said was like quite a micromanager guy, did he, was he all right about it? Was he funny at first, but he saw the results you got? Or what? how did that go? Or did it just... Did knowing, it just... knowing him, I don't remember there being any sort of drama. Okay. But knowing him, he's, he's all... His opinions are all based on results. So... If if I shall put your hands in the air and everyone put their hands in the air, he will be over the moon. Yeah, yeah. And and, and if I, it's busy and the bar spends doing well, I, and the exactly, dog's doing exactly. Well. And, and and I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't going to work anyway. Yeah, like I wouldn't have said put put your hands in the air. There's ten people in there. Yeah. So so yeah, it, I don't I don't think there was ever any like failure when I took the microphone into the clubs. Another um, really good point though, again, like you make there is that you bought the microphone like. 
I remember the first club that I, I was doing years and years ago. It was like didn't have a strobe, so I bought a strobe. Serious? Do you know what I mean? And just and, and you yeah, know yeah. And, like, and then like so and I would take it away every night when I was mm. so, so I wouldn't let the other DJs yeah, that's dope. use it. You know I mean? like, <laughs> I'd take the strobe in, like, like yeah, put it on yeah. the side of the DJ. We've had the controller. I'd use it end of the night and that's coming over yeah, me, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. But like it's another point for people like in the industry is like bring something, do something different, like yeah, yeah, add yeah. something. What are you doing that the next guy isn't? Yeah, what are you doing that the next guy can't do? Mm. So Thursdays are smashing it. What's what what happens next? Um the guy gets a new club. Okay. Gay club. Okay. Um, alongside all the gay clubs that I used to go to when I was younger. Well, like two years prior. Yeah. Um, and this club that he's bought, it's like, it used to be a legendary club. Not not legendary, Liverpool legendary. Yeah. Can't even remember what it's called anymore. <laughs> I've already changed the name. It's been that, that name for so long, but... I played in there on the first night that he had it and I was dead nervous because I was like... Because you remembered okay. what it had been. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, I've been smashing it in this after-hours club that's not very cool and now all of a sudden this guy's bought this club which I think is like one of the cooler clubs in the city where yeah. all the DJs I'm looking up to are playing, yeah. that type of thing. And I was nervous. I remember being nervous about it. Um, and yeah, the career kind of continued working in that club. Ended up doing like... Yeah, I worked for this guy for years. Um, you still speak to him? No, no, no. I would do if I saw him. Okay. But he's... Um, I don't know where he's from. I think he's Iranian. So he speaks good English, but we never had, like, a friendship, like a chat yeah, thing. Yeah, it yeah. was always, like, strictly business. Yeah. Business, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, by the end of my career working for him, I was doing... I was doing Saturday night in both of his clubs simultaneously. So I was doing like... That's a big deal. Like I was doing like the first three hours in the first club and, and then, then the after-hours club doing the, the last three hours. I was doing the Thursday night still in the, the after-hours club. I think I was doing Friday. If this, this, if this is pre-James Hype, was was whatever you were DJing into then this getting is... some traction though? Was it like, was people were people kind of getting to know or not really? I wouldn't say so. Okay. I wouldn't say so. Um, because it's... It's not pre-social media, but it's, it's pre-SoundCloud. It's, it's pre-like it's Twitter. It's pre-Instagram. I'm not sure. It, I'm not sure it is, but it's before those things were such a big part of our lives. Okay. Um, uh, so then I did. I went on because it would be difficult now. Like just just to clarify that for like for someone like it would be difficult now to be nineteen twenty yeah. and be DJing Saturday night in a big city like that. Mm doing a decent club and decent afters because you'd be all over Insta, you'd be all over like, mm-hmm. you know, and so people would get to know you, especially kids your age. Yeah. I'd be like, this guy is wicked, he's doing yeah, this yeah. night. But so like, it's interesting and even another point you make there that like before Instagram Twitter was so big, mm. you could be doing these gigs and be quite invisible. Yeah, to, yeah. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was using my, my, like, I was using my full name as my DJ. Government name. name. Yeah, my government <laughs> name. And, and, and it's just not a memorable name at okay. all. Um, so yeah, I I just didn't think of think think of myself as a brand at this point okay. at all. Um, and then, um, hang on, what was the door at the top? Do you want to go check it out? I'll just stop Maybe, it for a second. I, I need a piss actually. So. Cool. Of course, so we're just we're back. James had to take a, a delivery of uh, CO two, yeah. and I was just asking him why he's getting some CO two, and the answer is well, this literally goes back to you saying that you bought your own strobe to the nightclub, <laughs> but it's on a bigger scale. Um, I've got a couple of events coming up um, for promoters that I work for regularly, and um, so some promoters they just don't like spending a lot of money on production at the events, so. 
if so yeah i'll be playing on a huge stage with no co2 sometimes and dance music relies heavily on effects yeah for especially your kind of high impact shows yeah um and yeah so me and the team have got a uh co2 gun and nice yeah, and we take we take it. Would you take? To, oh no, I'm just taking it to the next level here. Would you take anything else? Would you take? Because we can't take pyro, right? Because that's a health and safety kind of thing. If you were to get it all you know, cleared in advance, do you know what you should get, mate? Right, I went to some NFL games like a few years ago. They have those t-shirt guns. Where that, they, like, I know Jack Jones does that. Does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. I love those, Because they, they fire them so high into, like... Expensive, mate. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's T-shirts. And it's like, T-shirts. <laughs> it's merch, mate. Should we pay for that, mate? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right, cool. So you, you, you're smacking it out of the park on a, on a, on a Saturday. Um, then, like, then, then what next? So, so what you, next was... Radio One ran a competition called Superstar DJs, and my mum told me about it. So this the one that Danny won? Yeah, 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 I came third. Okay. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't know. Yeah. Well, it's before, it's pre-James Hype. Um, because so, it wasn't there someone else? Who, who? So Madame you... X. Who? Madame X. She, she does Rinse FM. Oh, she right. was She was in the competition as well. Um, I don't remember any of the others. So did she come second? Yeah. You came third? Yeah. I'm doing like I'm going to do a podcast with Danny because the story about how he went from there to like Mate, where he is now is kind of cool when, is an interesting. When Danny Howard won that competition, I've literally just got goosebumps talking about it because it's so it's so weird. When Danny Howard won that competition, I'm skipping a few steps here, but yeah, when yeah. he won that competition, he instantly stopped doing all of his resident DJ gigs, and I was given like three of his weekly gigs. Really? Like, like me, me and Danny are so closely linked; it's it's ridiculous. That's mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I did this. I did this BBC Radio One competition. Well, I entered. You had to enter with a YouTube video, yeah. saying like why you, you're the best DJ. And I did this cheesiest video ever. You still got it? I don't think I have <laughs> um, because my yeah, I I don't think I have because it was a it was a different YouTube account. Okay, so I'm not sure it'll still exist. Um, because I know there was some other there was another old thing I was looking for the other day that it was I couldn't find. Okay, um, so yeah, you had to do a YouTube video saying why you were the the person who should win. Um, it's just really interesting that it didn't ask you to do anything to do with being a DJ to get on, to, to get in. Just, oh, no. Just, so oh, it's no. funny that, isn't it? You know I mean? Oh, no, no, you didn't have to. You just, they just wanted to know that you'd be a bit entertaining. On the on radio. Because it, it was Chris Miles, right? Yeah, mate. It was, it was a Chris Miles breakfast show. It was, yeah. It was, it was the airtime from it was unreal. Yeah. Like, looking back, like, it was seven days of BBC Radio 1. Wow. And you were on the radio, on the breakfast show, and on the drive time show for seven days. But that's even more mad that you came third, but not as James Hype. Like, I'm sure it helped you get to be James yeah, yeah, Hype. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's no, even it more mad it that it... didn't boost my... It didn't boost... It, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't it boost a brand like, at the time. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it like just I got taught, loads of followers yeah, from it. it and, taught you yeah, how yeah. To, to move on in it, the industry. It, it, but, didn't, it didn't teach me. It inspired me. Right. Like, because I... It made me see that there was such a bigger world. Like, I met Calvin Harris in that week. I met Kizzy Sellout in that week, who was, like, one of my idols at the yeah. time. Um, I met Nero. I was just in Radio 1, like... Hanging I was, out in Radio yeah, 1. Literally, I was with all the Radio 1 presenters, and there was there were just, like, mad famous and respected people just around the whole time. And it was that was what inspired me 
for everything that followed. Why? Like, for real. I'm gonna, I, I feel like I could talk to you about that alone for ages more, but I'm not gonna, because yeah. there's other things I want to ask you, and it's more relevant to like what I'm focused on here. Yeah. But I could just go off on a tangent there for ages. But I'll ask you one question, and you can choose mm. how deeply you want to go into it or not. Yeah. Why do you think Danny Howard won? Oh, mate, I was 20 at the time. He was 26. Right, okay. Um, he was... He was it was it was his, it and was he'd deserved. been smacking it in Blackpool and like. Mate, it was deserved. It was his. Right. Like he was the he was the best man in the competition. Especially if you especially if you bear in mind that they were looking for a presenter. Not necessarily that saying that they were looking for a presenter because I don't think that they knew. I think they you thought, spoke to Danny about it like after because he, t- he I spoke to him, I used to speak to him quite a lot at mm. that time. We were just mates yeah. anyway, and then we became more mates, and then like we, we drifted apart a bit. Yeah. But like he told me what happened post him winning it. Yeah. And it wasn't as easy. It didn't just like he won it and then was given a presenting. Oh gig. no, no, he was being like, tested, wasn't he? After yeah, because I know he was doing like interviews at festivals for yeah. them and stuff. Yeah, no, I know he was. I know he. It wasn't like a competition to win a job, but it, it was wasn't defi- like no. That. But it was definitely a a, a funnel. Yeah. That, oh, without that, a doubt, that yeah, may yeah, lead yeah, to yeah, meet yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, if the right person won the competition, then yeah, they were they would they would help that person. But like I said, I could talk about that role. for literally ages, but that would be here all day. But yeah, so, it, it, it so, was, so you did that. It was an amazing experience. Was, and how did that help you then? It inspired you then? What, what, you left Radio One thinking like this is definitely now what I want. Yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I left Radio One like knowing that this that's is what it. I wanted to do. Yeah. Not not be a radio presenter. Um, at one point, I did think I wanted to be a radio presenter, but it's not. It, nah, and you technically are. Oh yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget this. I always forget this. I, I always forget this because I didn't get my radio show by trying to get a radio show and yeah. I think that's why I forget it I got I got my radio show because I had a hit record and I also think <laughs> and I also think with all respect your radio show is more like a mix show oh, 100%, than it yeah, is yeah. a you know you're not doing like drive time no like, no it's, you know, not, it's, it's not I listen to it it's great yeah, but yeah you're yeah. not Chris Evans no <laughs> do you know what I mean like you, you, you. <laughs> you're playing cutting edge yeah, yeah, music. yeah, yeah, it's a music show, yeah. and, and, and even in a more of a sense than I think gets played on Radio One. Like I think you you play stuff. Well, it's that, that it's, it's more diverse. It's yeah, more diverse. it doesn't go anyway. So so you leave there and you're massively inspired. Like and, and I think this this could ring true for a lot of people. What what then? What do you then do? So you've left Radio One and you've decided you want to be a DJ mm. for the first time in your life. Really, you've gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. It. I've actually I've actually got yeah, the, the inspiration and like the, the, yeah yeah I can I can visualize where it is that I want to go now. Yeah. So what do you do? Left Liverpool. Um, moved to Manchester because it was exciting um, and I needed a new challenge okay um, the, the 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 gigs I was doing in Liverpool I'd hit I'd hit a glass ceiling um, meaning that uh, I was yeah I, I I, I had no way of moving up in the Liverpool club world because the places that I would naturally go to, they were filled with either people who had radio shows in the city. Like Lee Butler and like... This is kind Anton of post Lee or... Butler. Yeah, like Anton Powers, Ian Longo. Yeah. Um, Dave Whelan at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all the, all the better jobs were filled by these people and those people were way more entitled to be there than I was because they were on the radio or like, I, I'm not sure Ian Longo was on the radio, but he had, he had, he kind of had a name. He was just in that click. And there was a lot and of I, like I was, hierarchy and longevity and dance music. 100%, I mean, you can still yeah. see it now with Cox, Tong, yeah. people like that. But even on a lower level, like, like, you know, my level, like none of us are infallible, but at the same time, I've been at digital for 10 years. Mm. You know, I know the guys at the club and like, I'm, you know, there's, there's plenty of DJs who are as good as me mm. who are younger, but just sometimes you just get to hang out a little bit longer because you've been 
you've been around yeah, and you've yeah. been and if you start something like if you're part of a scene that starts if you're part of a club if you're part of a, a sound you somehow just seem to hang on around there yeah no without bit. a doubt without a doubt and so those those guys I looked up to those guys I wasn't I wasn't mad at those guys I wasn't yeah. like I wasn't like I wish I, I I'm I'm better than you give me your job it was yeah. never that it was just I I realized that I I was at this great place in Liverpool but there was no next step in Liverpool so I moved to Manchester because me and me and Danny, my best mate at the time. I, I lived with Danny at the time. Danny Howard. No. All oh, right. No, no, no. Oh yeah, I was like, that's definitely. Don't know weird. that well. No, no, that's weird. No, no, no. Gucci. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I lived with Gucci at the time in Liverpool, and he was a DJ as well. <coughs> um, and we used to we used to go to Manchester just like on nights off, just like to and just soak up vibes. Um, and it was just exciting. It was a bigger city than Liverpool. It was new. Loads more students there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, and I, and I knew a couple of DJs from Manchester. Do you know Joshy B? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So at the time, he was like, he was like the student night king in Manchester. Yeah. And I was like, I want to be like Joshy B. I want to, I want to go, I want to go and do some of these epic student nights. Yeah. That are going on in Manchester. So I moved to Manchester just like totally on a whim, um, literally by myself, um, and then started working for QBC DJ agency okay Do you, are you familiar it, it rings a bell but... okay so it's a Yorkshire based DJ agency do they still advertise oh, this stuff for now they still, do they still yeah they still do yeah, stuff now yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen it yeah so the person who put me in touch with QBC was PBH who's formerly been on this podcast yeah He so he, he personally recommended me to the boss of QBC so I'd, I met PBH in Liverpool and he was like, you need to speak to Rich from QBC. Okay. Um, and yeah, I spoke to Rich from QBC and he got me, he started getting me these gigs all around the Yorkshire area. Okay. And they, I wasn't getting any more money than I was getting in Liverpool, but it was just getting out of Liverpool. It was just like so, so mad and exciting. Um, and yeah, I was all of a sudden like driving up and down the country, going to different places. For and it gigs. kind of feels, I mean, again, you're on a different level now. But it kind of feels exciting going to different places. Oh, like, yeah. Different clubs, meeting different people. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It feels yeah. really, yeah. And also the, the confidence you get from it as well, knowing that this thing that I've been doing in this city, it, this also works in this city. Or... But, but you're also you're also learning, new, every time you, I think every time you put yourself in front of a new crowd, which you do more now yeah, yeah, than ever yeah, yeah. before, but every time you put yourself in front of a new crowd, you learn more. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and that continues your growth and knowledge as a DJ, yeah, yeah, getting yeah. better and better to deal with. Every yeah. kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing these. I was doing these agency gigs, mostly like cover and stuff. But yeah. So I was in like a different club every weekend around Yorkshire, um, and I just met so many like club managers during this period and stuff. And and like I was I was dope compared to compared to the people that I was covering for. Yeah. And they, and it happened quite a lot where like I would turn up and like take someone's gig. Yeah. Um, I think I would be like, look, do you want to come back next Saturday? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I did that for a while and then kind of found some found some like really unique special gigs and stayed there for a bit longer. Cool. Um during this period I started to pick up loads of student nights all around um Sheffield, Leeds, Liverpool. What's the one in Sheffield called? What's the big company that used to run all the Sheffield Parties. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it used to be Sheffield Parties and that was like a that was like a dream, a dream gig for me to do to do Thursday. Where was it at? They used to have was a it massive one? Was Thursday. it a Gate Crusher one or was it? Oh, Embrace. 
Is that, oh, is that where it was? Yeah, yeah. I, used, I used, to, used to be the resident in it race wow. on Wednesday at one point. Wow. Along, along, alongside Paul. Yeah. And I used to do Fridays there as well. Uh, but yeah, I, so I just ended up all around the north, basically. Not not as far north as Newcastle. Yeah, never yeah. got that far north. But, uh, but, it's, but, it is, but it's a real break. Once you leave Leeds, it, it, it yeah, goes a long way, whereas that kind of like Leeds, Sheffield, like, they're all kind of quite close together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like the, the DJs who work in Yorkshire, they work in Yorkshire. Yeah. Whereas for one of those guys to drive up to Newcastle, it's it's, it's a long way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, and New- Newcastle's kind of its own entity because of that. Like, I know yeah. Newcastle has its own its own scene. Like, I'm good, I'm good friends with Play. Yeah. And I met a lot of his friends. Devon, from, yeah, different guys. Yeah, yeah and, um, yeah, it's like it's like a scene within itself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that little bit of isolation yeah. that causes it. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so so around this stage, I'm doing a lot of students. Is James Hype being born yet? Yep, James Hype's been born probably so, around now. Yeah. So, let's, so let's just talk about that, because I think... That um, that anyone I, I've done it. Calvin Harris has done it. Yeah. Um, I'm not putting myself in the same bracket, but <laughs> but what I'm talking about is to give yourself a brand, yeah, yeah. to give yourself a different name, or yeah, to yeah. change your name slightly, yeah. like you've done. Yeah, yeah. So just talk me through, like, because no one's done that. I didn't really ask because PBH is Paul's initials. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just talk me through, if you can remember, how that felt, like you know. Coming, um, how did you come up with hype? Like how? Like just if you can talk to me about that process yeah. in your head. Like no, it's kind of it's kind of scary because until the thing is a thing, it always sounds rubbish. Yeah. As soon as it's a, like when Calvin Harris thought up Calvin Harris, a part of his brain said this. I mean, uh, it was called Adam Willies, so <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like, <laughs> but, but, but when, but when he, when he thought of Calvin Harris, it sounds rubbish. His brain said to him, "This sounds stupid." Well, this, well, this I mean, sounds like well, Calvin Klein. Well, well, you know what when I mean? James Bartman sat there and went, "Cream, it's nothing." Cream's, no, it's only, cream's nothing. only cream now because of the thirty because of the years. Things your brain associates because with. of the thirty yeah, yeah. years that cream has become. Yeah, 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 cream yeah. as a word, it's not that great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Oasis as a, as a word is pretty poor to it be is, honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you think about Oasis and you're like, you know, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it becomes this. I can picture yeah. the logo and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but like you say, and I think it's, again, this is why I'm asking about it because until the thing's a thing. Just yeah. a rubbish idea yeah, on your yeah. computer screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was coming up with a, a new brand on the train down today. I was coming up with a new brand for something I want to do. Um, and again, I was like, I started typed in like font examples and I was going through things. Yeah. But so, sorry, I'm taking over there. Talk to me about it. Like, so where did it come from? What was the idea? What was the point? Um, it's probably, I was probably thinking about it for a long time. Um, I, w- I was going through things with Danny Gucci. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, there's, a, there's a video music video director called Hype Williams. Okay, that's just like sickest name ever. Okay, um, so I just stole it. Cool, James Hype. Yeah, uh, kind of lived with it for a couple of days, then changed all my social media handles, and then. But around this time in my life, I was meeting new people every week. I was DJing in new clubs every week, so it was very easy to go from being James question mark to James Hype yeah because um, you didn't because interestingly you didn't really change your first name so, it, the, so, that, so the way that, was, that people were addressing that you that was something I was, was very conscious still of still the same that's something I was very conscious of because yeah. if, if, if there are people who come up with very exotic names and okay so imagine I changed my name to well the one I was going to give you is Claude Von Stroke there you go like <laughs> so and the whole reason that he chose that name was he wanted to sound like some 
like Austrian count. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like, yeah. I mean, like, like I can't. I don't know if I can find his real name on here. But like, obviously, he had to go from being. So his name's Barclay Crenshaw. Yeah. Right. So he had to tell people, don't so his, his stop calling me. Yeah, yeah. Is that it? You got to tell people, stop like, calling I'm me not Barclay, Barclay anymore. I'm, I'm Claude. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and like, so I was very conscious that it had to be a name that was questionable whether or not it was real. It could be real. It might not be real. But people are still going to call me James, so it's cool. I still will turn around if you show yeah. James, you know what I mean? And the word hype is great anyway for dance music and yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I, a lot of thought went into it because I didn't want it I, I didn't want it to be at one of them awkward aliases where someone makes up a stupid... We've all seen it, where someone makes up a stupid alias and you're like, wow. Um, so obviously I didn't want it to be that because you're going to have people who've known you for a long time and they're like, oh, he thinks he's all big now, call himself this yeah. stupid name. So. So, so, so I'll tell you where mine came from, right? Was that I was doing the Monday at the club before I was doing anything else. Yeah. Then when they asked me to do the Saturday at the club, the guy that owned the club was like, same guy can't play, like mash up party on a Monday, mm. then play like cool house on a Saturday. Yeah. He was like, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, but, but but he hadn't offered me the gig. He was the guy that owned the club. Yeah. Like the director of the club who was like, he wanted me to do it. was like, yeah, yeah he can. And he and, and then the guy that owned the club went, well, he's going to have to have a different name. Amazing. So so, I, so then literally the guy went, you're going to have to come up with another name and I need it by Saturday. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, holy fuck. Uh, and I won't go into the story about it, but that was the thing that forced me to do it was that literally they went, they went, fine, you want that Saturday gig? Need a new name, need a new brand and needs to be diff- a very different. Now, like, and the club, the club tried to keep it very separate for years yeah. and now no one really gives a yeah, yeah. fuck. Well, you but, look the same, mate. But <laughs> you're not fooling anyone. <laughs> I think that was great, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, but it's interesting and I think that's, but I think you make that a really good point, which is that you kept, the James thing stayed the same. And then what yeah, you yeah. then what you then did was create like what is essentially a really cool second slash stage name, which then becomes you know really brandable and really. It's also optional. Yeah. I can introduce myself as James if I want to, and it's fine. Right. And when you check in the hotels, you still James. When you check when you go to. Yeah, um, it's like it's yeah. like you can kind of yeah you can you can choose whether or not you want to use it or not, yeah. um, and that will be something that maybe say I was working because I was working in a lot of clubs at the time. Say I was working for so some gigs you were James hype and some older gigs, club manager. Right, I'd be like. James, you know what I mean. Yeah. Some, someone who might not appreciate your brand being. Was there a point when you were doing so? Like, so a lot of us did this. A lot of us did like student nights as well as kind of cooler nights. Mm. Was there a point where some nights you weren't James hype and no, some no. nights you were James hype? Like, no, that never happened. Okay. Um, so once you decided, and that was it. Then, then it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you remember uh, the first decided, flyer it went on? Do you remember the first thing that James hype went on? No, I really don't. Okay, but sad, isn't it? Um. But yeah, my my first lo- my first logo was like the Supreme ripoff logo, you know the. Yeah. Uh, I remember it. Yeah. Uh, Futura extra <coughs> condensed bold. Yeah. On a red on a red square cut out like yeah. Um and I I, I just I drew that up myself. So you're doing so, so now you're smashing it all over Yorkshire. You're a great DJ. You know you're hitting these these big cities. And James Hype, the brand has 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 become right. It's been born. Yeah. Now, now a lot of people, including myself, got to that level, right? Do you know what I mean? PBH other people, and we've all progressed a little bit here and then. Obviously, different stories have gone different places. What is then like? Do you then decide that you want? Are you already like dabbling with production? I mean, we're sat in your studio now, but are you already dabbling with stuff? Or you, do you then just decide one day that you need to learn? Or have you always been a little bit musical? Or like, where does? that come from or are you not even thinking about this now are you still just going I'm going to be a DJ and I'm going to break through as a DJ at this point I'm not thinking about <coughs> producing music but I do know the basics of producing music how 
when I dropped out of sixth form, I went to college and did music production and I attended for about four weeks before they started trying to teach me how to record drums and stuff and then I didn't attend anymore so they taught me Cubase so this is so I'm going to go and do a podcast tomorrow with my mate uh, Mark Maitland who I used to do all my stuff with yeah he's now kind of like a mix engineer more more Sick. so than anything else works a lot for Armada and stuff like that PBH same deal with PBH both all three of you attended music courses because you wanted to be in electronic music and then, I don't know if Matt finished quit. or not, but then quit, because you're like, I don't want to record the violins, shit, mate. mate. The courses were shit. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's just the, the, the era. The courses were shit then. Like, yeah, it, it just wasn't as mainstream back then, was it? So they, yeah. they wanted to include as much stuff in the course. But it wasn't, it just wasn't deal. about, well, I, I might be talking out of turn for yours, but I know from Mark and from PBH, it just wasn't a course about electronic music. It was a course about live music. It, it was, was about it how to, it, to record bands, how to put bands on. I don't on. remember the name of the course, but... Um, which was a little bit more electronic it was a little bit more electronic well it was it was all based around Cubase right so and also I'm a bit younger than Paul and I don't know Mark um, so so, so I probably did it a few years after Paul did it so it would have been a bit more electronic okay. and yeah it was all it was all around Cubase and it was just like how you how 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 are you using MIDI how are you using how are you putting drums in and it was just the basics and I learnt that and is that when you downloaded the, Nicky Romero's kick or has that been is that been that's a plug that's a plug in <laughs> money trying to bait me out <laughs> I'll even show my licence for everyone <laughs> um, I just noticed no, 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 the I learned I learned the basics of this and then didn't proceed with it yeah. whatsoever I learned okay. it when I was 18 so I had the skills had you done any musical instruments as a kid like had you done like I, I did uh, piano when, okay. I was, when I was young to any sort of grade or just like really? yeah like grade 3 or something okay. and then I quit when I got to like age twelve, just the age where where everything stops. Because but there was some basic cool. musical knowledge, like yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and then oh yeah, okay. So I obviously I had a laptop because I was using it for DJing. Yeah, and I had. What were you DJing on then? Because it's interesting for Serato. You playing off Serato? Serato uh, with Scratch Live with. Turntables or with no with with CDs with CDs so SL two SL two Serato box yeah um, why did you pick Serato because Serato historically was the more scratchy one wasn't it whereas Serato was the more loopy housey one um, Serato seemed more stable than Tractor Tractor I you know what it was I used to use a cracked version of Tractor and and surprisingly it was rubbish. It was it was pretty it was pretty stable to be fair, um, but I think because I used the cracked version of it, it just felt like Serato was the more premium appealing option because okay. I'd been using because I'd been using Tractor for free for years before. Because um, I, I started with like so I, I'd started on vinyl. Swore I'd never go to CDs. Went to CDs. Yeah, 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 swore yeah. I'd never go to laptops. And then I got Serato, and I was using Serato with CDs, and then. I think I'd got that because I think even like Devon and Play I think was starting to use like yeah, stuff yeah. at that time and then so I got Serato and then I think I, when I was like saw, I saw kind of quite a few more house and techno DJs using Tractor yeah. and I think that was because at the time I think they're really similar to each other now but at the time sort of eight, nine years ago I think Serato was built for like hip hop DJs it was called Scratch Live yeah and yeah, I yeah. think Tractor was built for like the more looping like housey yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. as it stands now I think they're very similar yeah, yeah, but yeah. like I switched to Tractor got like an, an X1 controller mm-hmm. and like started using all my loops and my effects and, and at the time I was doing a lot more gigs elsewhere than I am now and what was nice was at the time not all clubs because I wasn't always going to great clubs not all clubs had 
had good pioneer mixes mm. so like i had my own effects in the box like That's i had nice. my x1 yeah, and yeah. stuff and i could do all like kind of you know it's probably a bit old hand now but you see me using them like but you can do kind of cool effects yeah, yeah. with tractors that no yeah. one else was really doing yeah. so again it was that thing of trying to like stand out and try and be different yeah. to the next guy so okay so you're on you're on serato um djing um, um we're talking about how did i when did i start doing music i think yeah but i was but did it get to a point where you because you made that point right at the start, which is super interesting, which you were like, even right at the start, you were like, maybe I wanted to be a producer, not a DJ, because you're talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. The, the grand Well, I, I, there we go. Like, I went to I went to college to try and be a producer. But, but I think I think maybe my parents talked me into it because I dropped out of sick form. I think they were maybe like... Because obviously me and you were of a generation where our parents believe that education is super important. Yeah. So I would have dropped out of sick form. My mum's going to be like, oh no, he's going to be... He's going to be homeless within a yeah, week. Yeah. So we need to make sure he goes to college. So I might have been kind of cajoled forced into that. I'm not, I, I don't really remember that. I guess well. what I'm trying to get at is, because there was definitely a point for me when I was like, just being a good DJ isn't enough. Yeah, yeah. Like just being a good DJ isn't going to get me out of, because I wanted to tour, I wanted to go to yeah, different yeah. countries, I wanted to go to different yeah. clubs. Like it's never really about the money for me. It was just no. about moving around, meeting people, new experiences. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely a point for me where I was like, okay, so I'm like resident at digital on a Saturday night. I've got my new name mm. um, and things are sweet and I'm feeling good and I'm getting paid well and I can live nicely in Newcastle. I'm a millionaire, but like, I'm okay. Yeah. I've obviously got other gigs like on the side, like nice. There was definitely a point that I remember going, right now I need, I need my own music. I need my own records. Yeah. Um, did you have that point or were you still just going, I can make it as a DJ, I can get there? Like- no, it was it was never obvious to me like that. It was never like, oh, that's the next step. Okay. I ended up making music, Just I just fell into it, which tells me that it was meant to be. Yeah. Like, I, I there, at this period, I was living back in Liverpool, but still working... In Yorkshire. I was still working everywhere. Like, okay. But I was, get, I was getting paid like really well. Yeah. Like for the, I, was, I was at the very high end of resident DJ money. Yeah. So I was living in this dope penthouse in Liverpool. <laughs> um, it was sick. And me and, and me and Gucci, we were back together working. We started promoting a night together. We started promoting a, a dance hall night together. Because okay. I, I don't really love house music as much as people might think like I do love house music but I love all music yeah like so you've got to, so, to be a DJ anyway yeah, really yeah, like yeah, even yeah, if you yeah, talk yeah. to even if you talk to like Sven Waffenat he's going to tell yeah. you he listens to all you know like yeah yeah, yeah 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 so even though people are like James Hype that's house music like well actually James Hype used to be the promoter of a dance hall night in okay. Liverpool so yeah me and Gucci me and Gucci were pre- we were promoting this dance hall night I was doing loads of these mashups on Ableton yeah and we were using them to promote the event um, do you mean like almost mini mixes or do you mean like just mashups of two tracks? Bit of both, to be honest. Okay, bit, cool. Bit of both. Um, but I got really into Ableton. Um, the first person I ever saw using Ableton was Kissy Cello at Radio One. Okay. Um, and I was and I saw him like bending sounds and stuff, and I was like, "Whoa, this wasn't something that they taught me in college." Like, yeah, this is crazy. So I got like a pirated copy of Ableton straight after that, and started kind of teaching myself a little bit about it. I and I think like, you can with Ableton. Like, I think like Logic, Pro Tools, even Cubase. I think they batter your head. But I think with 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 Ableton you can. Put, if you're a DJ, Ableton's so intuitive. Yeah, you could, it's so intuitive yeah. and so easy to use. Yeah. Like even like I've been using Logic for years and it still winds me up like how difficult they make it even just to cut a tr- like cut a, like. Yeah, yeah. I know you can have keyboard shops and stuff, but Ableton's just like yeah, yeah. so easy and yeah, so yeah. fast. Yeah. So I, I was using Ableton for all these mashups for our dance hall night, 
and then our dance all night flopped on its ass because <laughs> as I as I said as I said earlier, I don't do business. I don't do business anymore. I quit, and I have the self control to say that I don't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, so after this dance all night, it was taking up all my weekdays just trying to push this. I was like, okay, I got all this time on my hands, and I've been using Ableton a lot. Yeah. Um, and it was Amin Edge and Dance inspired me to start making house music. Okay. Um, Why? How? It's interesting. Because their music sounds so simple. Okay. It sounds like it can be done easily. Okay. I was like... This is I like, can do that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, you know, halfway crooks and things like that. Yeah. Um, boom, 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 boom. It's just, basic, it's just a really like, basic bass line. It's a really big, basic yeah, percussion. It's a really big, yeah. like, move bass and some 909 drums. And I was like, I reckon I can do this. Yeah. And I, like, I'll play, I was playing that type of stuff um, where I could at the time. And... So yeah, that kind of got me sucked into Ableton making music, and I had time on my hands to yeah. do it during the days because I was no longer <laughs> running my dance hall. And I brought this up with PBH. Like so many DJs get the time during the day to do this because they're doing student gigs yeah, on yeah. a night time. So yeah. many geezers who've broken through have had the DOD is another great example. Who was like doing like not low, you know, but that damn would have got me. But like he was doing like yeah. um, Revolution on a Thursday. He was doing whatever um, on a Monday. Friday, yeah. Cry yeah, was on the resident they, DJ circuit while was. I was, yeah. Because, yeah. Because, because that's what gives you the time. Because yeah, if you've yeah. got a job Monday yeah, to Friday yeah, yeah, and you're hard, gigging yeah. Friday and Saturday, yeah. when you're gonna when you're gonna sit down in front yeah, of Ableton yeah. Yeah, yeah. like and work? You know what else it gives you? It gives you the insight into how people respond to music. Yeah. And that's something that you don't have if you've never been a DJ. Yeah. And I think as a producer that's a vital part. Because you can make it and test it. Yeah. That day, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, night, that, that weekend, yeah, yeah. and you can yeah. send it to a couple of pals yeah. and go, what you, you know, what you say yeah, about yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, from that point, I started making tunes in Ableton. So I might, to... I might know the answer to this and embarrass myself, and then you're going to tell me, and I'll, and I'll remember because obviously we all know about your hit record. Was there like a, was there a bootleg, or was there an edit or something that you did that like got James hype some serious traction, or you felt like a lot of people were starting to like go yo that like, was there something because obviously there's that Alex Whitman thing that he did and I did like yeah you probably might not have played it I did this like levels bootleg years ago that like Tiesto and everyone played and wow. it was it was massive and I had this I had this scam that basically like levels didn't come out for ages before everyone knew it mm. and I did this le- levels bootleg and I put it on iTunes as a podcast um, <laughs> just, just as my bootleg right yeah. so it went as it went around yeah. it was number one podcast in the world all it was it wasn't on a, on a. It wasn't on a podcast for anything no, else. No, it was just. Yeah, yeah. It, I put it on as a podcast episode. But yeah. so when people were searching yeah, yeah, yeah. of each level in iTunes, that's the only thing that came up oh, as a days. podcast. That's genius. So it was like it was downloaded something like five million times. Yeah. Like it, on iTunes alone, it was yeah. ridiculous. And then like yeah, like loads of people played it, like Tiesto and all these kind of like it was playing on radio and everything else. So like that really helped me like, and that really helped me I think get other records signed to like Armada and spinning yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything, like, again, I, I might be embarrassing myself here and you're going to go, oh, you're going to go, thanks for that all the time. But was there something you made like that that kind of, like, really kicked you, like, got you got you going as a brand, as a producer, as, like, a, like on that side of things? Yeah, there were, like, there were like a few a few steps that got kind of first. Um, I did I did the uh, bootleg of Drake, Find Your Loving, um, and... Cough wanted to sign it. I'm okay. Dance's label. Yeah. So it's gas. See, it must be pretty. <laughs> never happened. Never happened. But um, I went to like loads of meetings about it and stuff, and it was like obviously well gassed. Um, and then 
after that, I did a bootleg of Hotline Blink. Yeah, I remember Drake, that, actually. Hotline yeah, Blink. Yeah. And I, mate, Drake dropped Hotline Blink. Like, two days later, James Hype dropped his remix. And it just went nuts, mate. It was just the perfect storm. Like, just, it's not a particularly great track. My, my bootleg, I mean. Um, it's, it just ticked all the boxes. It's... It, just wanted DJ, got, DJ's wanted to play it. It was, it was, yeah, exactly. It was, it's, it was good enough. <laughs> I got Which, it out really quickly. It's really true to the original. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, and it just went nuts, mate. It, it did, it, it did, it did like more than half a million Shazams and stuff. And like wow. David Getter's playing it in Vegas. I, I won an award in Miami for like best, best urban remix nice. year award in Miami and shit. Um, so yeah, that that was crazy, man. Unfortunately, it got taken down off like every platform yeah, because because record labels still don't understand that bootlegs are actually good. Yeah, they're, they're actually doing the original favour. Yeah, of course, like, it's just mad. Yeah. As long as it's not damaging. But when yeah. you're getting half a million shazams, it's clearly not damaging. No. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, it got removed from all all platforms. So, so after that, was that kind of like I'm not trying to put words in your mouth here, but was that kind of like what radio what radio wanted being to your DJing? Was that bootleg like to your producing the same sort of thing? Were you like, wow, if I can kind of keep going with this, this is gonna this production side of things is gonna really kick off? I don't remember that thought process ever happening. Okay. I feel like after Radio One, I already just knew that I was just you had to just keep going. Okay. Um I don't think there was ever like Yeah, it was never like, oh this production thing could be a thing, like because it just came out of DJing anyway. I was just making stuff that I was going to play in the clubs and other people yeah. playing them in the clubs and I was getting the music straight to the DJs via DJ City yeah. and going to the top of the chart every week. And yeah. So I already had that affirmation Yeah. that I was that I was were you, fairly were you, good at what I was doing. Were you as good a DJ technically then as you are now? I was, I was, I was a Serato DJ still back then. I used to play fucking quickly. But, but but I mean it's, oh, it's just to... proper proper honest question. Do you but do you have, have you taken it up a couple of levels since then? Or were you as good as you are? Like just were you totally wowing people the way that you wowing people now? Like, technically, it's just a totally different thing. Why, um, mate? I used to DJ like a hip hop DJ. Okay. Even though I wasn't playing hip hop, like I was running Scratch Live and I would like drop a track onto the deck with the fader up and mix into it you yeah. know like shift drop yeah like with the fader still up yeah like I, I i used to play so fast on scratch live yeah like i could i could never do that type of set now on decks on cdj's you can't you can't play that fast um you so, play, you so pretty fast. No, you can't play as fast as you can play on scratch yeah. live yeah it's not possible unless yeah. you had like 16 decks like so you could even then it's not possible because you'd have to move around too yeah. much um so it's a totally different style of djing like back then I didn't back back then. I I can honestly say that I didn't see anyone doing what I was doing as well as what I was doing. Yeah. The oh. No, 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 I didn't. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the people existed. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a birth with with all those like shifts in technology. Things change, like you know, and 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 I, you know, I certainly like housewise play a little bit different well, play differently to you housewise. But on a Monday, for example, like like the, the mashup sort of mm-hmm. stuff that I do, I can do stuff now that I could never do with CDs. I yeah. couldn't get CDs in and out 
of, yeah, the, yeah, of, yeah. of the CDJ yeah. quick enough. And even if I had all the because because and because I don't because I'm not playing planned sets because it's different every you week. Flick through. Yeah, I yeah. literally could. And, and like there was times I remember so distinctly. I knew I wanted to play next. Couldn't fucking find it. And I'm like flying through like yeah, CD yeah, wallets, yeah. CD wallets are going all over the place. And like now, like, you know, you have that ability on a CD to just type in. Yeah. And I do it with track, and then you just drop it straight in. You're looping, you're like moving, you've got your next track ready to drop in. Like, you know, you've got shortcuts. Like, so the way that technology changed, it allowed DJs to play in different ways. So, yeah, yeah. yeah there probably wasn't anyone doing, doing similar to, to, to what No, there were people doing, doing similar, but you just I, you I felt back. like I was pioneering. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was pioneering. I, I didn't invent what I was doing because it was just borrowed from other people. It was just like, Oh, the way that that guy's playing. Like, obviously, there's people doing bare hip-hop, like, scratching and stuff like yeah. that. And I, I was never doing that. But I was DJing in the way that those guys were DJing, but in dance music. Do you know I, what I mean? I, I do think, like, PBH brought this up, actually. And I kind of lived through the era of kind of even Zabelia being a thing. Like, and like, I don't think, and it'd be interesting to know in your opinion, because you are technically one of the better DJs that, that I've ever seen personally in the flesh. Like, I put you up there with, like, Sanchez and people who I just think are natural, natural, amazing DJs. But, like, do you think people are as bothered, like, are bothered about technically about what you actually do? What, the crowd? Yeah. The crowd don't do a crap. No, I mean, that's what Paul <laughs> says. That's what Paul <laughs> says. No, obviously, obviously, that's that's a sweeping statement. There are there are people in the crowd who really, really care. Yeah. But the thing is, they can't even see anyway. No. So, I, I constantly balance trying to be technical with trying to be a showman because yeah. you, it's very, very difficult to do two simultaneously. Yeah. So there are things in my set which I could do as a three or four deck mashup, which instead I might have put together in Ableton so that I can jump around a bit more. Yeah. Because if there's 50,000 people out there, probably 49,000 of them don't care how... You've got your head down, well, exactly, exactly, on exactly, it. Yeah. Exactly. But at the same time... I have to be true to myself and I have to be like, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to be a fake. So I have to be, so, so I've got to find the balance. And I think a, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people have kind of found that. And are you familiar with SK 83? Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he was a, he was a former Red Bull three star champion. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, so we, we were speaking together online about this, about this whole thing. And, um, CJ beats as well. Yeah. Amazing technical DJ. And he he has a he has a, like a trap music project called Wide Awake. Okay. And he was having this, this same conversation with me because he's doing shows as Wide Awake, and Wide Awake exists in a world with Steve Aoki and various other acts who play an entirely pre-recorded set and just jump around on a stage in front of the decks. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But what what CJ was saying is like he found it very difficult to let go of the fact that his DJing didn't really matter. Yeah. And he, he just had to accept that it was more about the show just yeah. because of the type of world that their yeah. music exists and I, in. And I, and I, and I struggled with, with that because I think I came from the era when I was like, when me and my pals were travelling around, like we were going to Cream at Nation, we were going to Ministry, we were going to the Arches, we were going to all these clubs. And for me, that was the time when like, you know, we were going to see Sanchez, we were going to see like, I mean, Murillo was a bit of a showman, but, like, you were going to see Murillo. Murillo never stood on the fucking decks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and, like, you know, so it was, like, I kind of came from an era where, like, the DJ kind of, like, was, wasn't was even lit up yeah, some yeah, of the yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the DJ was kind of, like, a bit... He was in the dark, and yeah. he was doing his thing, and he was happy about it. And I was always the kid that was happiest, happiest in a house party in the corner playing music because I yeah. was happier not talking to someone. Mm. Then I was I'd much happier playing music. 
and like I, I, you know, I was going to actually say I think you, 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 you do really well. What I like about your style of DJing is, I think that you do very technical things, but I think they are there for the purpose of making the entertainment level higher. You're not just doing technical things to show people that you can do technical things. Yeah. Which is sometimes what I felt about James Abelia. Again, it's not a criticism. We're all in our different no, no, places. What I like about watching you play is I feel like you're doing stuff and it makes me enjoy the music more. I don't yeah, feel like you're yeah, just yeah. doing stuff to show me that you can do something yeah, yeah, who's yeah, behind yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. But but the showman thing, I think, is really interesting. Like I, I, I really struggle with that. Like I mean, I don't like lights on me when I'm DJing. And I turn lights off me when I'm DJing if I can. Really? Yeah, I would rather almost not be seen yeah. i've i've learned to use a microphone not as good as you and i certainly yeah. wouldn't say it was a you know a thing that i was great at yeah like um but it's really interesting that you sort of make that point about the difference between showmanship technical ability and delivering what you're trying to yeah. deliver like i think it's super interesting and, and i guess like again the thing i like about watching you play is like and it's it's a thing that if you're gonna you do technical stuff but you almost utilize your body so much while you're doing that technical stuff that people know you're doing something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, people think, wouldn't I even know you were doing it's that. It's just stuff. like a subconscious thing. It's like, yeah, I want, I need the people to know that I am kind of, yeah, exactly. So, so, so let's just let's just roll the road from making bootlegs, gigging all over the place, living in a dope penthouse flat. <laughs> Where do we get to those two discs on the wall, and what's that kind of like? You know, what's that journey like? How does Again, I know we could probably spend another hour just talking about how many versions of that record yeah, you had crazy, and everything else. But, but but where does yeah where did, did did it feel like it happened quickly or did it feel like it? No, no, not at all. No, the journey's crazy, man. Like because I made another giant leap and I first of all moved to America. Okay, I didn't know that. Only for three months. Cause right, okay, I think obviously couldn't get a visa. Okay, but I was like, right. So I got to this stage in my career, yeah, where I was a resident DJ. In some great places. In and around, like, the Yorkshire kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, I was the resident DJ at Prism in Leeds on yeah. Saturday, which is about as big as it gets. Yeah. Like, I, okay, let me rewind. Six months prior to this, okay. I was doing a mixture of gigs. I was playing some hip-hop spots. I was playing, like, loads of, like, open format type stuff. Yeah. Because I'm great at doing that. I'm, yeah. I'm not anymore because I'm well out of touch with it. But at the time, I was sick at doing that. I bet you'd still be all right, mate. <laughs> well, I'd have to do a bit of preparation, but... Yeah, so at the time I was doing loads of open format stuff um, and then my production just started to get bigger and bigger and I realised that I need to put myself in a box in order for people to understand what I am. So at that point, I said to myself, I need to stop doing these open format gigs and I need to be house music. Even if it's not, like you you see what I play, it's not house house, but it's it's, it's 126 BPM-ish. Yeah. And it fits in a dance music box. And that's what I knew that I needed to do in order for people to understand that this is what James Hype is. So at that point, I left all the open format gigs and I went and got got myself the best set of house music gigs that I thought I could find at the time. Okay, that's interesting. Um, And I took took, took a a loss in money for that, without a doubt, because I just just started saying no to stuff. Um, so I ended up doing Prism in Leeds on a Saturday. And you were playing pretty much house music all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. Like, well, 126 people. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, yeah you're not, but, but, but I left the hip-hop behind. Even though okay. I love it, I left it behind because okay. I wasn't making hip-hop music and 
it, yeah, it didn't. It just didn't make any sense for my brand, and I realised that I needed to focus the brand. So yeah, I got I, I changed all my gigs. I went from like six nights to like three nights a week, just playing house music, and that gives you more time. Yeah, better night's sleep. Yeah, you're not no, I still bad. stay up all night. Um, and then it got to this point where I had to take like every Saturday night off in November and December because I had bookings. Okay, because people are starting to book James Hype, and it wasn't like big money. It was like it's a DJ podcast, isn't it? So we may as well talk about money. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I was getting, I think I was getting three hundred quid as the resident in Prism yeah. in Leeds. Yeah. And people were trying to book me in like Birmingham, but and I was they they email me and it was like I was looking after myself and everything. For like five um, six. Yeah, no, like four, four hundred. I take, oh, right, okay. mate, I take the booking for three. Okay, honestly, I take the booking because you wanted to do the guest spots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because it's so it's so flattering. Yeah, that someone wants to book you. So, yeah, I was doing. I was, I I ended up finding these gigs, and the managers respected me enough to allow me to take nights off to go and DJ somewhere else because they were so like, wh- why, why, why would they? Why would these guys try to book you from Birmingham? Like, was it to do with just the hype? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it just yeah, to yeah. do with the hype that you generated yeah, yeah. in like, yeah, yeah. Yorkshire online? Right. Okay. There's internet in it. It's, yeah. it's, it was from it was from James Hype remixes. Yeah, like this hotline bling one was everywhere. Like it was yeah. on it was on Kiss Kiss FM. were playing it on, in daytime shows. Wow. Um. So yeah, it was it was off the back of that. And at this point, I was doing like Facebook DJ videos and stuff as well. No, I wasn't. I'm lying. I'm lying. <laughs> I wasn't. That 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 came later. Because yeah. at this point, I was still on Serato. Okay. So yeah, club, people were trying to book me just because of the name that I built online doing doing bootlegs. Yeah. Um, just how I so, started getting bookings. Yeah. yeah. So I started filling the calendar with bootlegs, filling the calendar with, with bookings, with bookings. Um, and especially then, around those peak times like Christmas, bank holidays, all that. Yeah, kind of yeah. Stuff. And then I realised that I needed to quit being a resident in order to be an artist. Um, so for January, February, March, I knew there wouldn't be any bookings because they never. That's are. how the industry works. That's yeah. how it works. So. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to gonna go. It sounds so ridiculous. I'm going to go to LA. So sold my car, went to LA. This is amazing. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, I sold my car. I went to LA. Um, where were you going in LA? Did you know where you were going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stayed in an Airbnb, like <laughs> on the fucking beach. It was sick. Cost so much money. But I sold my car, so <laughs> Um, what did you plan to do when you were in LA? See, it's weird because I can't really tell you. Um, just become James Hype, okay, full time, and not be a resident DJ anymore. Okay. Um, did you were you planning to go and like get your head into Ableton or? No, I was already producing like loads of tunes. Obviously, I was planning on spending loads of time producing. Right. Okay. I was, I I was doing. I'd lined up a couple of shows while I was in America as well. Cool. And then I was. And then obviously, again, this is a DJ podcast. There's like on the low down on the naughty, like you weren't fully like visaed up to do these shows and stuff. Um, these were just a bit on the kind of. We've kind of done them in Vegas, we all know. Like I've done them, but. Um, no, no, they were unpaid. All oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, because obviously you're not allowed to you're not allowed to work there without, without a visa. And I, I didn't have a visa. Um, so, yeah, it was just like because I wanted to be on the lineup, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I was just kind of soaking up, soaking up. LA, um, making music, uh, and I started doing loads of Facebook live streams. 
from LA. From LA, DJing in like really cool spots. Okay. Yeah, I bought decks while I was there. I'd saved up quite a lot of money at this point. Okay. Um, I bought a Pioneer setup when I was there. Taught myself how to use CDJs. This is another essential part of the transition. Yeah. Serato to CDJ. Okay. This all happened in this three months. Why did you... So this is a really interesting point for me as well. Why did you think that had to happen? You can't be a house music... Dude, obviously this is a complete opinion. Yeah. Like, but I, I can't think of... Obviously, I, I was trying to fit into a box because... When you try, when you, when you are a nobody, I believe that you need to fit into a box in order for people to understand what it is that you are. Okay. It when when you're a somebody, you can do what the fuck you like. But when you but when you're a nobody and you're trying to get people's attention, I think that you have to be categorizable. Okay. Um, and I think that the Serato. Is if you've made right, so this is a super important question, right? If you, if you, did, was it because you could do different things technically on without Serato, or do you think that if you'd made videos with Serato, people wouldn't have taken you seriously? Nah. People don't understand what's going on when they watch a DJ with a laptop, right? Okay, that's that's another key point. That's a okay. key point. If you're doing cool stuff on decks with a laptop, people are like, oh, it's the laptop doing all the work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Obviously, yeah. I mean, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, you're equally limited with or without a laptop, yeah, like, yeah. or equally free. You know what I mean? So, it, we, we, any, any DJ who's used a laptop and who's used CDJs knows that you can do the same things. Like, it's, it's, it makes no difference. But for the viewer, it's, it's so much, much more, more visceral, like, seeing, like, especially with those, those shot down, like those shot down, yeah, yeah, like yeah, three, yeah. four deck yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. The, the viewer like, just understands it. It's yeah. like, oh, that's one tune. That's one tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, yeah. The, so yeah, I was doing like live streams from LA, and I I just spent three months in America making it look like I was like the king of the world, while everyone's in. And was that part of it? That yeah, was part yeah, of it. Like yeah, I'm in LA in like yeah, January, yeah, February, March, yeah, killing yeah. it like a don. Exactly. Nice yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, that like, makes more sense. Like, <laughs> went, 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 went to went to Miami, collected my award for Urban Remix of the Year. Yeah. Signed with my managers in Miami. Okay. My manager hit me up in January. Is that Kev? Or was that Kev, Kev? and Serge? Okay, yeah. Collectively. Yeah. 50 50. Um, they hit me up in January off the back of the Hotline Bling success. So, and so, so did they hit you up when you were actually in LA? Yeah, yeah. That's that's dope, man. Because yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you obviously didn't know that was coming and you're just no, chilling in LA. <laughs> no, man, I, I, got, I got hit up by three different people from management all at the same time. Okay. Which is it's quite mad because it's like they're obviously all watching the same signs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I signed with them in Miami in March, and then I created enough hype while I was in America that when I got back to the UK in April, I had bookings in the diary. Cool. And in March, and in hang on, what comes up? Were you doing no, so April and May? So, so you that, know what I mean. That so summer. Were you doing stuff like Magaluf and Ibiza and stuff that summer off the back of summer. the hype and the and the and the bootleg and like were you doing were you already doing like did you do BCM that summer? No. no? I played okay. BCM for the first time in twenty eighteen. Okay. So but you were you doing like little bits and bobs in like Greece and stuff like that, or was it more UK yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did uh I don't know about Greece, you know. Um I won't be super like, specific, but you know what I mean. I did, like, yeah, yeah, I, was, I did like Ocean Beach uh cool. Like the so, so you did, couple, did move a couple yet. of yeah a couple of spots yeah and then so then talk you know I know you could talk for two hours about it but talk a little bit about the record like the kind of 
one of the friends thing like how long did that come after March like was it was yeah it, uh, got back from did you already have the idea for that track when the you were idea, getting signed or yeah, like... yeah the idea for the track came about around the same time as Hotline Bling okay um, and because you know the SWV vocal is that right no it's uh, On Vogue On Vogue that's it that's right. On Vogue yeah that's yeah. right um, yeah so the the initial idea for on Vogue remix bootleg whatever yeah. came around around the same time as Hotline Bling so um, you didn't to, to recap so for people that don't make records this doesn't mean much but for anyone who's ever made a record this will mean the world did you first think about making it as a bootleg or did you first think about trying to get it resung and make it as a, as, as a single or was it because I've done this in both ways round and, and, both, and had different results vice versa I think I intended it to be a single Right, okay. I think I think that was always the intention because otherwise I would have just settled on version one and put it out. Okay. Do you know what I mean? But um, could you get the acapella for it, like the on Vogue acapella? No, I was using a YouTube rip of an acapella group singing it. Right. Okay. Um, if you type in Triple J, you'll yeah. let go. That's what you. Were, that's what you. That's that what is you what I used, used. Cool. To make the record, which is yeah. ridiculous because it's like it changes key halfway through and everything. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I got back from America, moved to London. I had no money at all. <laughs> and no car? No money, yeah. No, 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 before I went away, I had two cars. I had, I had a new one and an old one. All right, okay. Um, you sold the new one? Yeah, I sold the new one. The old one, I found out it was a Cat C or something. So, like, it means it had been written off yeah. in the past. So I found out it was it was worth nothing. Right, okay. So that's why when I got the new one, I didn't even sell it. I just kept just, it. Because yeah, um, it. it was worth... I, I bought... I, paid like three grand for it and I tried to sell it and then they were like oh it's only worth like 500 quid I was like oh just keep it so I sold the new one went to America okay. got back and I still had the old one and it still, right. it still drove fine cool. um, yeah moved to London uh, and just got a studio where you are right now this one yeah cool man but I, got a, I got a studio before I got a flat okay did you used to sleep on the couch didn't have a couch <laughs> mate it was an empty room <laughs> Literally empty room, um, and yeah, just started making music every day. One of the reasons I knew I needed to be in London was to work with other people who are in London. like Kelly Lee. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, At what point did you get that resung then? Because because there's, there's, there's another really interesting thing which which a lot of people might not know, which I blew my mind when I found out about it was like Replay Heaven. Do you know Replay Heaven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like people who don't know about the music industry just. My mind was blown when I found out about it. So, so mind. the guy that runs Replay Avenue is from just up the road from me, like Newcastle. He's, just, he? he's up from like he's at Berwick on office or something. But to, this, the easiest way to explain this to anyone who doesn't know what Replay Heaven does is um, Eric Pritz call on me is Valerie by Stevie Winwood. Yeah. And what Replay Heaven do is they they replay all the parts of the record from the vocal to the strings to everything. Mm-hmm. So that you can then put it into your record. And they try and record it in the exact same way. They try and make it try and use the, the same, same microphone, the yeah. same processing, so yeah. that it sounds exactly the same. So we we did um, my record that got done by. I had a few actually, but what, my most recent record that got done by Replay Heaven was Belinda Carlisle. Um, we made B Three, and it's the Live My Life B Three um, loop, and they did that Replay Heaven thing, and it's like to just explain that for anyone who doesn't know, because if you don't know, it's it's totally behind the yeah. curtain. So did you get? Did you get it replayed first, or did she, did you did you get her to sing it first? Or like, I didn't use replay. Heaven. So so she sang it. Did you take we, it to her? We did it here. with with the um the the acapella version that you downloaded. You played it to her with that version. Yeah, we did it here. And then she sang it in this studio. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and it was the first vocal I ever recorded. And for anyone else again who's not, you can disagree with this if you want. But for anyone else who doesn't know or hasn't been involved with music production, 
recorded and processed in vocals is black magic. Like I'm good at it now, but it took ages. It took ages. I am good at it now, and I actually enjoy it. I look because I love all the geeky parts. But of people music, don't but... realize how much goes into vocal processing. Yeah, yeah like yeah. It, people, so people just think someone walks into a studio, sings it, and walks yeah, yeah, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like the layers, like the moving, like yeah, yeah. even like melodyne in tiny little parts yeah, of it, yeah, yeah. and like it's just insane. Like getting stuff to sound like it sounds on the radio, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like your record sounds. Yeah, well, I didn't get it sounded like that. Like. If if my mix of more than friends is like where's Clark mixed more than friends and, okay and he yeah. and he is he is responsible for how good that vocal sounds yeah because I, when I recorded more than friends I did not know how to process vocals period yeah I would have done a little bit of EQ a yeah. little bit of compression but I wouldn't have got it anywhere anywhere near where it needed to be yeah if it wasn't if it wasn't where's, for Clark, where's, mixing it? where's Clark's a ninja man yeah 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 yeah, yeah. whereas whereas now I'll record a vocal and I can have like a demo a demo worthy mix. And then, so I asked, I asked Paul this question, right? And I think he flat out lied to me. And after, <laughs> and after, no, and after the podcast finished, he told me the truth. And I was like, why didn't you say that on the podcast? So my question to him, I'm going to ask you a different question, but along the same lines. I asked, the question I asked him was, for anyone doesn't, doesn't, doesn't know, how long does it take from you having an idea about a record to it coming out? And he was like, three or four months. And I was Stop. like, I was like right, then afterwards, right? Then Stop. afterwards, he's Watch like, afterwards, the then afterwards, he's there, uh, sorry, man. And afterwards, right. he's, he's, um, Afterwards, he's on like WhatsApp to like Fat Man Scoop, who's doing a vocal for his new track or something, mm. and he's telling me about, it, and it's played like five different versions and a version with someone else involved in it, and like, and I was like, see, that's what I wanted you to tell me. <laughs> I wanted you to go, yeah, you have the idea, you make a demo, you send it to some people, they come back to you, you get, you try and get a vocal, and that just vocal's not good enough, and like, so the question to you is, how long from the first time that you started mucking about with that acapella that you downloaded from YouTube to Marvin Friends being released. Oh, that is less than a year. That's still pretty good. That's less than a No, it's not, no, no. Oh, no. No, no. It's a year and a half. That year, makes that's a year and a half. I mean that um, makes... and then my my next single is coming out on the third of May. That's a provisional date. Yeah. Dates always move. Yeah. That was finished in November. And these, and these, <laughs> yeah, and, and these are like, and don't just think this goes for like big chart records that you're talking about now. Like when I worked with Spinning, it was like you had the idea, you might have spent three or four months on the record, you sent it to Spinning. Even if Spinning accept it, they then give you a, a, a release date, which is another three or four yeah, months. Yeah, like, by the time it comes out, you're sick of it. Schedule, yeah. Yeah, oh, by yeah, the time yeah, it comes hard. out of it, you're sick of it, you don't even want to play it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes it worked in my favour and I got, I'd forgotten about it. And when it came out, I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's nice, we'll get to play that again. But like, it, 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 it takes it takes so long to yeah, kind of like to, to get through stuff. What Anything you can tell us about the new track? Like, anything you can give away? Like, bear in mind this will probably come out, I don't know, in a couple of weeks' time or something, but um, anything... I don't mean play it, I just I mean really any kind any, of like... I haven't really got any like juicy cause, gossip. Because last time, last, last time record you had Craig David on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is there any big feature on this, this one? This one is James Hype featuring Dots Per Inch and Ayak. Cool. I like the Dots Per Inch stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah people probably know his music off like DJ City yeah. and stuff. But yeah, he's a good mate. Um, and yeah, we, it's a tune that we work together on towards the end of 2018 and is this is this Manga. still like a kind of a is this a Radio 1 daytime record or radio any record station there are radio stations available or is this a club smash or is it I don't know it's, it's a it's it's a record that I'm very passionate about like from basically Dave sent me the idea sorry Dave is Dots Per Inch yeah and he sent me this idea of a vocal chop literally just a vocal chop and, from, and a piano 
um, that he like come up with. And I was like, yo, this is absolute magic. Like, this is absolute magic here. And I listened to it on repeat for like years. I'm talking about like literally years. Like, I've got the initial file that Dave sent me, and it's dated 2016. This is what I mean. It's how long. <laughs> it's how long stuff bubbles around for? So, so then I I I convinced him that we should work on it and turn it into something. Yeah. Because I loved it so much, and like I remember how it made me feel the first time I heard it. Um, and I convinced him that we should work on it. And then we got in the studio and we started just trying to work and turn this thing into a song. But it's really it's just a very short vocal chop. And then we started like writing a song around it. But it was just me and him in the studio. So you've got like me pitched up, sounding like a girl, Amazing. going into this dodgy vocal chop. And we were like, right, some proper magic here, but we need to get someone in and then like do it properly because we can't play this to anyone. So yeah. yeah, so then we got Ayak in who I can't even think what song she she she's done loads of stuff, man. She's she's more of a writer than a singer, to be honest. She's written for Little Mix and other people. Um but yeah, we got got in the studio with her and we finished it and we managed to turn it into a song while keeping the magic. Cool man. Um so I think the next thing I'm kinda of coming to an end a little bit now. I'm gonna I think the next thing I'm kind of interested in is like, where do you, where do you see like, where do you see what you're doing now going? Like you sort of said, you know, you've got a radio show, but you said you didn't want to be a radio presenter. You oh, know, that like, sounds awful. No, no, <laughs> no, but, but no, what I, I mean is, is that like, you, you know, that wasn't my aim. Yeah, you've yeah. had a hit record. You, you know, you've got you've got discs on the wall. Like you, you know, you're you're a wicked DJ. What's I'm not, it's not like, not like a kind of put you on the spot like job interview thing I'm just kind of going like what's what's bubbling around in your head at the minute like what are you kind of thinking like is is, is there a name is there a kind of a direction or are you just super happy to just to keep going the way that you're going and, and progressively get like what's what's kind of going on in your mind not what um, you're being told by Kev and Serge what, what's what's in your head like what, what are you vibing on what you want to do like what, what are you feeling um, I've got I'm going to drop some club tracks later this year yeah, which is something I've never done before, which sounds crazy because everything that I've ever made is for clubs. But if you look at my Spotify, then there's no club tunes. Yeah, on it feels like because yeah, yeah, because I made so many. I made so many club tracks for DJ City and for SoundCloud, and now I just need some of them on Spotify, um, so that all the Spotify listeners can hear what I play my DJ sets basically so yeah. yeah got some club tunes dropping later this year which is really exciting because it's like a whole new whole new thing for me even though it's not even yeah. though it's because like um, one of the tunes I'm dropping I made it like two years ago and I've been playing it ever since but yeah it's finally going to come out and finally going to have some because I think you sit in a really like unique place like you know and I obviously sit talking to the club and, and other people like uh, I kind of do consultancy people or whatever, like you know about bookings and about mm. booking strategies and about who who sells tickets and who's worth the money that they their agents and managers sort yeah. of ask for for them and like you know you've you've played digital quite a few times in the last couple of years really but like I think you sit in a really unique position in the sense that like we mentioned Tom Zanetti before now Tom Zanetti is essentially an MC and <laughs> there's probably lots of people out there who think Tom Zanetti's a DJ yeah it's, um, it can be confusing but 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 like. I think you sit in a really unique position in the fact that, to me, you're a phenomenally skilled, credible party DJ. Um, like, 
and you're laughing now. I hope you're not taking offence. I'm not taking offence at no, but, all. But, 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 but it could be taken wrong. You know, no, 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 and it could be. But I don't think for a second you're trying to compare yourself to Sven Vaff or, or Richie Horton. Absolutely Do you know not. what I mean? No, like, and and even when we use, we all use the word house music, and it yeah. means a lot of different things to a yeah, lot of different yeah, people yeah. and a lot of different genres. But I think you are the king of where you are. Like, I don't think there's anyone better who's more credible who can rock a, a club you know and again like you again you were in a prism on on, 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 on last, last weekend but at the same time you're just as comfortable being in like a digital or a ministry or whatever yeah. like, or, you know and again I'm not making judgments about those clubs but people no, no. will understand the differences in those yeah, brands yeah. Um, and I guess like what I personally would like to know is like is, is like is is that where you're going to keep going? Do you want to, you know, yeah. by putting out club tracks, do you want to move that a little bit? Or am I just wrong to put you in that place anyway? Like, how, Where do you think you are? The reason that I want those club tracks to come out is because that really reflects what I actually play in my DJ sets. Who you are. Um, yeah, yeah. like, all, all I'm doing is me. So, it, there's, it, nothing's going to change because it's it's not like I'm trying to push it in any way I'm literally just doing me I, I couldn't do anything else but try me yeah <laughs> it's literally it's literally that so yeah um, so yeah it's just it's just um, more of the same man just trying to just trying to show people what James Hype is because a lot of people hear my records and a lot of people love the records, but that doesn't mean that they know. Don't you think they get it from like the Facebook videos of yeah. like of like you in clubs, yeah, smashing yeah. clubs? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Facebook videos is and a the great shaky platform. camera, obviously. Which yeah, is yeah, great. yeah. yeah. <laughs> camera. No, the Facebook Facebook videos is a great platform. We've just started popping on YouTube. Like we've just had a video go viral on YouTube this week. It's really exciting because YouTube's quite a small platform for me still. Okay. Um, but yeah, like so that plaque on the wall represents six hundred thousand sales which represents millions of streams yeah. because obviously there weren't actually that many sales. Yeah. The, the sales yeah. are... The music industry's the changed. Sa- the sales are, what's the word? They're calculated from the streams. So, but yeah, it re- represents millions and millions of streams. Um, so all of those people who've heard that record and love that record, they don't necessarily know anything about James Hype. Yeah. So that's kind of my... And I think you bring up, like, again, I think that's a super interesting point, which which links back around to the starting point, which is, I remember, like, listening to DJs on the radio. So you listen to Pete Tong on the radio, you listen to... Even people now, you listen to them on the radio. I suppose the only person that maybe... I suppose things have changed so much that maybe if you listen to Danny Howard on the radio and you go and see Danny Howard, I think he plays a lot of the same stuff yeah, in his club he sets. Yeah, he has quite a specific that he does, show. That he plays yeah, on yeah, his radio. I really like his radio show at the moment. Yeah, but I do think there was a time when, when I remember when I was a kid and you would buy like the annual, like you got there, mm. you might listen to someone's radio show. But when you start going to clubs at 18, 19, you start going, I haven't heard any of this music before. Yeah, yeah. This is insane. No, 100%. Someone What's was, this, what are these tunes? Someone was talking to me about Camel Fat at Creamfields last year and yeah. they didn't play cola. And you're like, <laughs> it's like, what? I want, I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right, so this is going to, we're going to come into the, the last the last bit of the podcast, which is how I've decided to wrap up every podcast. And I'm going to ask you for um, like a dream gig, Right, so you get to name the venue. It can be any venue you want. It can be indoor, outdoor, venue, club, bar, whatever you want. You get to name the venue. And then you're going to pick three acts, someone to open, someone to go in the middle and someone to close. You can be on the lineup, 
if you want to be on the mm. lineup, or you can just go dead alive. Money's no option. Mm. Give me your dream like lineup. Tell me about Whoa. it. What's the venue? I think it's Omnisia Terrace. You know. Are we doing roof on or roof off? <laughs> well, it's nighttime, so I, I, I don't want it to be daytime. Daytime's a bit like makes me makes me sad because the night's over. You know so, what I mean? So, so, so we're doing nighttime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Night, okay. night, night can run into day. That's fine. yeah. But I don't want to start at nine a.m. Yeah. Okay. Um, who's your first act on? Too many answers to this question. I know. Yeah, it's, it's a tough too, one, man. But that's the too point. Many answers. That's the point. Because you can take it anywhere you want. You can just take it a night that you'd want to go to. A night I'd want to go to. Or you can take it inspiration. You can do whatever you want. It's, it's a weird one, you know, because the only DJs I ever see play are in Ibiza. Okay. And obviously that's it's a very specific style that people play in Ibiza. Um, but I, I believe that's one of the one of the truest forms of DJing, though, is the way that those guys play in Ibiza, like... Well, you don't even know who I'm talking about, but in, in my head, I've got Steve Lawler. Okay, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, king of the king of the space terrace. Is um, he on the lineup? Potentially. Um, <laughs> don't rush me. Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to think who else I really like going to see. I saw Patrick Topping closing DC Ten. It was epic. Yeah, and I, I love that. I love seeing those guys play because I know that there is no. You know that there's no pre-record and there's no there's there's probably not not even much planning going into it and you're not going to know any of the records that he plays. He's not going to play. No. What's his, what's his big tune? It's, uh, stay shout. Yeah, or yeah, the yeah. ending. Uh, there's, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's not yeah. going to play those tunes. He's no. not going to because it's DC ten and it's four in the morning and and I think that's like one of the the coolest forms of DJing. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, it would it would be a lineup like that that I put together. Like I don't think I could ever play on one of those lineups because I don't have the discipline. It's weird. It's like it just doesn't come naturally to me. It's, I think there's it's, loads of factors. Like so, I like I I love I like so I was been lucky enough to like see Patrick do his motion night. Like it was his own night. Yeah. Like cause obviously from Newcastle. I know I know Patrick a little bit, and like it was lucky enough to see him like play motion in his own city. Yeah. You know, he'd go on after VAF and stuff like. Um, and like it's, it's a com- like I, I love being in that, and I grew up listening to that. Mm. But I wouldn't want to play that. I don't think I have the patience. Same, exactly. It's not discipline; it's patience. And, and, and I want to see like, and I'm, I'm not saying these guys don't get this. The reason I love what you do is I like just to see immediate res- results. Mm. I like something to drop, change, move, slice, bang, like, and it's just constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like that side of like techno and Patrick and stuff, it's a lot of a longer. Mm. Like yeah, game, yeah. and I yeah. don't have the patience to, to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same. Just give me three DJs then, so just, <laughs> just get on with it, mate. No, no, I'm not <laughs> rushing you. Not, but we're on, we're on, we're on, we're on the terrace. Just, just three DJs that you'd like to see on there. Night out with your pals. You've got a night off. All right, cool. Um, Steve Lawler, Patrick Topping, and. <laughs> Actually, no one's coming to mind. I'm blank, mate. You know what? I'd like to see Danny Howard. I haven't seen, I haven't oh. seen him for a while. I, last time I saw him was... Last time I saw Sang- him, he was walking out the digital DJ booth clutching gin 
But, <laughs> <laughs> he was taking his rider out of the DJ. I swear they were Christmas presents. It was like, it was like, it was like this Saturday before Christmas. I haven't asked him, but I will next time. Was, yeah, San- Sankey's now be there. I saw him playing for Cough like two, two and a half years ago. It's the last time I saw him DJ, and it was dope. He was really good. Um, because and he comes from the same the same place as me, and I yeah. think that's that's probably makes him quite exciting as a house DJ, and he really yeah. is a house DJ. Yeah. Um, and that's that probably makes him exciting in that in that position because not many of the DJs who play in that world have come from where Danny's come from. No, not at all. No, that's cool. Um, right, well, I brought you a present. I mean, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> but um, I saw this in the shop. I was in the Tesco around the corner from here, and it just brought back chat memories of my childhood. Um, so I've got you like a Nutella. <laughs> Light and breadsticks, little box. It's absolutely banging. I don't know. I, just, I, mean, I, I can say there's no thought gone into it, and it's not exactly high expense, but it's there. It's still a business expense, though, isn't it? James, thank you for doing this. Thank really you, appreciate man. it. Good to see you. Thank you, bro. Felix Lighters in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do, and who they are.